0: If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go Mind Pump, mind pump. with your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews.
1: Is this uh, controversial? We got a little heated in this episode of Mind Pump. In the beginning, it I was. I might oh. lose a couple followers. It in was, this one. actually. The fi- right. In the, in the beginning, we did a 55 minute intros where we cover current tr- events. Trying and to and trim the fat right now. Bullshit a little bit. <laughs> Here is what we talked about <laughs> in the first fifty-five minutes. Uh, uh, we talked about the Everlywell tests that we took. Uh, these are the these are the hormone tests that we all took on uh, testing our testosterone levels. Oh, they have lots my of fingers right now. lots of different hormone tests and tests. We love
2: Everlywell, by the way. Love them. We got a lot of people that listen over there. Just so you guys yeah. know. Oh, we do. I, yeah, I don't know if you guys know. Really? That. Well,
1: check this out. Awesome. If you, if you go to everlywell.com, that's E-V-E-R-L-Y-W-E-L-L.com, com. Enter the code Mind Pump. You'll get fifteen percent off any test. But we also talked about how Mind Pump typically handles our sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell us what to do. Uh, we also <laughs> We talked about my, rebels. my kid's new dog, Coco. He's a cute little guy. Talk about pets and health.
3: Little foofy foof.
1: Polygamy and violence. Mm. Yeah, there's a connection there. What? Roseanne got canceled. What? Then it got heated. We talked about the state of race relations in America oh, God. and Colin Kaepernick. Gets Whoa. touchy right here. And Adam's opinion on his approach, or should we say flawed approach. Hmm. Uh, and there may be a better way to improve race relations. We talked about we'll the growing subscription model and the rise, and we predict fall, of masterminds. Hmm. Uh, then we get into the questions. The first question was, how do we gauge the right level of intensity or resistance level when doing Trigger sessions. Look, we mentioned uh, uh, Rubber Bandits. Actually, that's our preferred uh, place to get bands to do things like we sessions. We actually have them on our website. Yeah. They are on our website. They get
2: a deal, so make sure you go through the link. Jackie you will put it in the show notes. Yeah, just go
1: to mindpumpmedia.com, and then you can find them and click on them. And you'll Best in the up. business. Uh, the next question was, what are our favorite oblique exercises? And we're talking about obliques, the muscles of the obliques, not exercises that are weird. Yeah, or oblique. so oblique. Exactly. Uh, the next question was: Look, we're called Mind Pump, but what do we actually do to exercise our brains? I feel like this was an insult. Yeah, yeah. like we, you guys are Brain doing, crunches. Yeah, we don't do much. Uh, the final question you're just, you're just was throw out all the time. Yeah. The final question was that you know I always talk about free markets and how awesome are they? They are. Uh, what flaws do we see within the free market? This one might surprise you. Might not think that they're the be all end all. Um, also. This is the final day. What? The last day. Final final. This is the final day. Uh there's no more days after this for the following free intuitive nutrition guide, free fasting guide with the enrollment of any maps fitness bundle. Now bundles are we take multiple maps programs, put them together and discount them like 30% off. Wrap a, them up and serve them nice. It's already a huge discount, so big and massive. Uh, But if you do, if you do get a bundle right now, because it is still available, you will get the intuitive nutrition guide and the fasting guide absolutely for free. After today, this offer will be gone. If you're interested or you just have questions, go to our website, mindpumpmedia.com. You haven't taken your your testosterone test yet, huh, Doug? Not yet.
0: Waiting to get a couple good nights sleep before I do it.
1: I, I will make a prediction. I will predict that your testosterone is probably among the highest. The highest, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. doubt that. Yeah. I hope you're right. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, I can. I He's got a lot of shit b- built up in there. That's why.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like a volcano. Yeah, He's <laughs> is ready to erupt, oh man. Oh, my God. <laughs>
2: that test <laughs> is going to go <laughs> this guy. off the charts. He's
1: going to get a phone call instead of an email. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> like an anomaly. With the doctor. You know yeah, here's a number. And, you, need uh, to, you need to let some of that testosterone out. You I heard of the
3: Mustang Ranch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Did you do yours? Uh, I did
3: mine, yeah. So I just sent it off. So I'm curious to see what numbers I get what, back. So what you do? You woke up first thing in the morning. Woke up first thing in the morning, um, and then spit in that vial. Basically, like it took actually a while to spit in there. It was like because you probably have dry, it was mouth. dry, right? yeah. It was dry mouth, and like you know, it was actually. <laughs> and you
1: can't count foam because if you spit so much, no, like it starts
3: to be, you have to actually be saliva. I was like, wow, it's just taking a lot, you know, to fill this thing up. That I was like. <laughs> Thinking about it, it was kind of weird, but uh, yeah, no. So I filled it up and then I put it in the the freezer, and then the next day I sent it and off. Then you so, it up. Yeah,
1: I can't wait to see what the what the numbers are and compare everybody's numbers in here and see what those look like. I, yes. f- I thought yours would be back by now. That's yeah, I mean, only like f- it's it should be. I should have it back today. I it's think. only it's a five day turnaround, right? Mm-hmm. Once they get it, it's around five days. Okay. I still haven't gotten okay. it. I should. Get it soon. And I could, like I said, I want to compare it to what I did last year. And last year I was under a lot of stress and I wasn't feeling as good as I am now. Don't make excuses. So I, I know, right? Say, I was just about to make some excuses. <laughs> well, no, no. Like, last year I thought I don't felt,
3: know if I was at my peak. Because at the know, end of the day, peak.
1: I think the thing that we
2: agree on this, right, with, with these tests- even no matter because I know there's there's people that are like oh well that's not as accurate. Like, of course it's not it's not going to be as accurate as going to the doctor getting your blood work done and so like that. But it's actually it's, it's actually pretty, pretty accurate. Yeah. Well, no, it's pretty. It's yeah. like compare like I said, it's like comparing the hydrostatic you know dunk tank to a mm. skin fold. You know what I'm saying? Like they are within a percentage. That it will give you really especially if you're using it as a tool to measure yeah. no, what for, you're doing, for helping certain, or or not. For
1: certain hormones, uh, cortisol, testosterone, and now the female health hormones. Saliva tests are very accurate, yeah. uh, and Everly Wells tests are, uh, you know, among the best. So, it is very, very accurate. The, the would
2: you consider? Is it more accurate than blood?
1: It's just as accurate. They have oh, the same so range. Yeah, almost. and the the reason
3: why uh, we get a baseline, right? That way, that we can work with.
1: What we're testing is we're testing free tests. So you don't get a total test. Uh, you don't get total test on this particular testosterone test. It shows you free test, which is. You know that's really the important number because you could have high testosterone, but have so much of it be bound uh, by with uh, sex binding globulin. Well, oh, that, that sounds
2: like what does it have then?
1: Well, a, oh, a lot of a lot of, a lot of sex binding. binding globulin. A lot release Globulin. Yeah, <laughs> spreading out that globulin. Oh my god, that yeah. sounds gross.
2: I know it does. <laughs>
1: But I, you know what I think? I think it's, it's, I like that
2: Everlywell is much cooler about us talking about their product than Roman. Roman got all butt hurt about our. Why
1: did they get so oh, butthurt? Wow.
2: Yeah, I, you know I don't know. You know Taylor's. I uh, think they're
1: happy now. No, they were happy. now. I
2: hope so. Because yeah, if not, we're gonna, gonna flex on them, bro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I told Taylor that. I said, <laughs> <laughs> "Fucking send their money back, dude. Don't, we fucking. That's not how we re-roll. Like we're not gonna be pitching things the way you want. to have. We're gonna try your shit. We like your shit. Then we're gonna do something for you. And then we're gonna talk about. And it. And we did. And we're yeah. gonna talk about it the same way I would talk about it with my friends or anybody else. I'm it's not gonna. Let be Sell your shit, you know yeah, what I'm saying? No,
1: no, they, they and they have, keep a it good, they have a really good, you know, way of delivering a prescription medication. So it's really good. That's why we talk about them. It is funny though because we'll work with sponsors, and when they don't know us or know who we are or how we operate, I should say, they'll always be like, "Okay, here's what you're gonna read." Yeah. And we want thirty we want seconds right at this in this t- spot. Yeah. yeah, and we basically go, yeah, no, yeah, we're not. We're, we're gonna throw do, that away. Yeah, we're, not gonna, we're gonna do exactly what. Do you think Organifi? Said, cool ideas. Do you think Organifi like? Hey, them. talk about how our green juice increases seminal volume. No, that yeah. was my idea. Uh, well, you know it was conflict. I,
2: you know, after the fact, right? Because we don't even. This is how bad we are. You know, all these companies. You guys don't even know this because I don't even bother wasting my time seeing it to you guys. But every company that we work with sends over like a whole thing of rules and, you know, it has to be this, (laughs) this long (laughs) call to action, you know, and things like companies like Roman, these companies that deal with hormones and, and pills like Viagra, shit like that. They they can't they don't want you making jokes about it. It needs to be very. It's about being professional and serious, which does yeah, not. All medical. Just, yeah, does it doesn't go really That's well? Exactly why I made a joke in there. <laughs> yeah. oh, with, I'm with, such an asshole. Right. Yeah. So That's hilarious. I do that every yeah. time. We literally. I think I was I was reading back over it because, you know, they 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 said something to Taylor. And Taylor was telling me, he's like, you'd be really proud of the way I fucking handled this shit. And I was yeah. like, good, dude. Cause he went him- off, dude. Yeah, he did. I was he- sitting in the room
1: when he did it. Oh, yeah. you were? You were um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of we me and Justin were. Oh, you guys were? Yeah. Oh, dude. I didn't know that. I, it was almost. It was funny. He got it, all heated. Was it, it Adam esque? It was yes. It was a little bit. It was oh really? Yeah, little, he's been hanging little, out with you little too long,
2: bit, dude. It was it's only m- taking a year and a half of training, bro. Yeah. I almost jumped in. I almost sharp with. I him almost I like massage nah. his shoulders. Like, ooh, Because yeah. he was going off. You get all fired up. Idiot. <laughs> oh, I'm so probably like a proud father right yeah.
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor's gangster. Uh, yeah, he's coming down a like hammer. You, I feel like if you mess with one of his siblings, he'd probably kill someone. You know what I mean? He's got that kind of gangsterness yeah. inside of him. Uh, yeah, yeah. He definitely bit. has. that. Didn't yeah. he lose his shit a little bit at the at yeah the, the zoo culture? He did because someone said something to his was,
3: brother. Yeah, I was just trying to like work <laughs> in like right where his brother was standing. Taylor would got
1: smashed because everybody in there is about three hundred pounds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, because Justin was there. Yeah, he was. Like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> Justin would have killed him. He was someone. upset, man. I don't know. Like, I guess he's just not used to that culture and like people like barging their way in and like being. And, you know douchebags like that's just like gonna happen you know it's a gym
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. my boy so, runs
2: hot man but yeah he, he was heated <laughs> he
3: runs I saw him. Dude. i saw yeah. him at his heated point you know if he
1: puts his hair up in a ponytail you're fucked <laughs> <laughs> that's his tie- that's his call to war yeah, he starts yeah. tying that <laughs> shit up yeah. you're yeah, fucked I'm, I'm, a going t- I'm a samurai yeah you gotta, <laughs> exactly you gotta be careful
3: yeah he's gonna slice him uh, that's like, my knife boy. hand
1: Ha-cha! anyway so i didn't tell you guys that my kids got a a dog Oh yeah, okay. You, you told it's me I don't need to told ones. Justin. It's a it's a small little white cute one. I don't know what it is. Little th- foofy it's poof. like a it's like a poodle mix of some poof. sort. Yeah. But uh so it's I can't Bella, another Bella? I can't have um maybe when the hair grows back cuz they got it from the the pound and they had to they had to like trim down the hair because poor poor puppy or dog wasn't taking well care of wherever it was before. But uh I can't have dogs where I'm at because the landlord won't allow dogs. So can't stay with me stays with my ex. But I help, you know, I'll help out, help take care of like if she travels and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But what a great, uh, God, it's so good for kids to have that. I can already see. Yeah,
3: it's awesome. Dude, dogs are so great. They teach you so many lessons. I mean, just with kids, like responsibility, like, you know, making sure that they're taken care of. Like, dude, and it's fucking tough at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you just go through it, but yeah, the kids like oh, they love it, man. They get so attached.
1: It's good for their health too because uh studies will show that kids that grow up around um pets Have lower rates, to to significantly lower rates of autoimmune issues, allergies, and health issues. They get
3: exposed to all the bacteria and crazy dirt and dander.
1: Yeah, it actually makes a decent difference. So it's like it makes the case for having a pet in the house for health. Wow, that's an interesting theory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard that too. It's not just a theory; it's confirmed consistently across studies. Like uh, people who grow up in urban areas have far more allergies and autoimmune issues than people who grow up on farms. People who have pets have less of those issues. And I think it's just your immune system is just exposed to more everything—bacteria, fungus, you know, whatever, dirt, dust, whatever—and it, it's healthy for your immune system to have some level of exposure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but it's funny—I get—I I picked up the kids from school yesterday, brought them to the house because we had to check on the dog, and my daughter's telling me all about what she's doing with uh, with Coco—that's the name of the dog—and uh, and she's like, she's like, we had so much fun, and this dog's super. Super relaxed. It's like the most chill dog oh, of all time, which is jealous. perfect. Mine is not. <laughs> yeah, no, no. your dog ate the table. He's a fucking madman. Fuck ate the table. You know what he <laughs> reminds me
3: of? Yeah, like uh, like a little woodchuck or like a fucking uh, like a gremlin. he's like a little gremlin? Yeah, that's
2: Mozzie, bro. He'll choose. He'll choose like the corners, the corners of the the, the stairwell and shit like what? that. Yeah, yeah drives what? me crazy, oh. dude. Why? Oh, that's
1: hilarious. Yeah. But anyway, she's telling me stories about how uh about what she was playing with with the puppy and she's like and i got my barbies out and he was pretending to be the monster and then barbie <laughs> was riding him and i'm just picturing this poor dog you know what i mean he's, oh, God, with a barbie so on his back yeah and he's so relaxed like he lets yeah. her do whatever but he's probably thinking in his head like all right listen i'm gonna be cool because i just moved in dude i laugh so you hard know, but, when
3: kids like incorporate the pets into like their play and stuff like uh, <laughs> when we had that lizard um <laughs> i remember going downstairs and there was this whole track built like a you know f- for for like a train <laughs> and uh you know the kids are in there with the the lizard on top of this little train and it's like <laughs> going no. through all these <laughs> and they're laughing and having a great old time i was just like yo take that poor lizard <laughs> off of that thing man it would <laughs> just look like it was holding on for dear life just <laughs> ah fuck somebody help me yeah <laughs> that's yeah
1: that's hilarious when we were younger, when we were kids, we had uh, a, a little mixed dog. I don't know what it was, but uh, his name was Lemo. <laughs> don't ask me why that was his Lemo. <laughs> <limo. My dad, laughs> this is before the Nemo time. Like, bro, my, dad, my dad names <laughs> dogs. I don't know where my dad comes up with the ideas of name dogs. For example, the very first dog I had when I was a kid was a Pit Bull. So it's a Pit Bull, right? So my dad named him Pit. Pit? Okay? That, yeah, <laughs> pit. Wow. My grandfather had a Chihuahua, who na- and he named the dog chihuahua so this is just yeah, these the are these are the creative, creative name yeah, but i don't know where <laughs> i don't know where limo came from but anyway my sister one day comes in she's like oh my god i taught limo to dance with me and she's like come outside so we're like what so we all go outside he's <laughs> <laughs> he puts his legs up on her leg and he's humping her. You know? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. Wow, he's a dancing <laughs> yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah. And, and my dad gets the hose he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a grinder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with and a she,
3: little, bo- like that's all plain. <laughs> in the yeah. background. Yeah. My,
1: my sister was so young, you know, she was uh, like you know, eight and she's like, why did you spray limo? He's dancing. And he's like, dancing. No, don't dance <laughs> no, with the dog. Do not dance with the dog. <laughs> that's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking limo. Yeah. He used to fuck everything everything oh, wow. so uh so I, was, I was bad reading, dog yeah terrible dog so i was reading this interesting article <clears throat> I want to hear what you guys think about this i did not know this science um and i did some research and there's a lot of study on this apparently monogamy where people pair up one you know one guy one girl traditionally right reduces uh major social problems in, in particular violence so when they compare societies and cultures that have what? polygamy, so polygamous societies where men will marry more than one or have more than one mate, mm-hmm. that contributes to or seems to contribute to to violence. And when when there's monogamy, there's less violence. Now the theory is, and this is, by the way, this is established, like anthropologists talk about this all the time. And it's only, and I know it's established because I looked it up and I read several articles on it. And I guess the 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 it reduces crime, violence, poverty, uh, all those things. And so a lot of anthropologists think that monogamy was the reason why we started to socially push for that was because we saw how much better it worked uh, for society. And the theory is that. Either that, or you're so miserable you don't have the energy to fight. Yep. <laughs> if, you, if you if you have five women, you're yeah. gonna be five. oh my God. You yeah. might be it might be way too much drama. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. might yeah. be more miserable. I just I'm cashing in, Fuck
3: it. Not even the worth the drama. fight, dude. Yeah. Not even worth the fight. Well, no, That's the way I look at it, I'm like, like
1: God, no, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's too many.
3: It's too many people coming down on yeah. me.
1: I, but you know, they they talk about it. And they they think that it's because uh, in in societies that allow for polygamy. Because there's always every society has hierarchies, right? And, and some people will have you know more resources and smarter and all those other things, and other people will be lower. That men will start to get all the, the and because women are attracted to men on the higher uh, hierarchy and men with resources, that they'll start to get lots of women and men that are lower on the hierarchy will get none. And and this is a true statistic now. Men without a mate uh, who are young. The rate of violence is so much higher amongst them versus when they find a mate and they start being monogamous with someone, especially if they have a child. If a man has a child with someone and is together with that person, the rate of violence drops considerably. So if you got a bunch of single dudes or a bunch of dudes that can't get women because all the women are with the you know that makes sense. Then they mm-hmm. tend to be violent. Yeah, that mm-hmm. makes sense. right? It's fucked up. Well, I think I think I think that's fucked up. I think the
2: kid part alone makes a big difference, right? Oh yeah. I mean that What, what your whole life, cha- your whole purpose in life changes once that happens. Did right? you
1: know a man's testosterone levels drop after he has a child? <sighs> did you know that? Oh, I can attest to that. <laughs> oh
3: man. <laughs> really? Or we'll see
2: in our results with Everly Will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What well, that did to me, yeah. I haven't checked since.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah. But
3: I,
2: but they I I don't know if they, I don't think they've separated out. I th- have either of you talked to your girls about the possibility of that? Of what? Polygamy. Polygamy. Yeah,
1: I would not want to do that. No, no. Cool. I mean, I've
2: I've asked like, you like know. what her thoughts are. Not yeah. necessarily that you would do it or anything. No, I like, just like brought up a
3: conversation of that. One. Right, like, yeah, yeah. 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 You what, know what? does is, what is, what is Courtney say? Oh uh, no, she's like, fuck. Oh no. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, she's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's not. I, I try and convince <laughs> Katrina you know, like no once every six months, months in that direction.
2: Once every six months, I bring it up when we bring it up on the show like that. Yeah, but I mean, think about. I was like, honey, what if you picked the woman? And she's, right. like, she's like, well, what if we I, we get a together guy then? Yeah, and, exactly. And I'm like, I get to pick the guy? Well, okay, I can think about it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like a, a best friend, a live-in best friend. You just high-five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? Live-in best friend who it's like when she's driving me crazy. Hey, bro, it's your turn. Oh, so, wow. yeah. 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 I hung out with her the last three days. She's driving me crazy, and stuff
1: like that. Oh, wow. You go hang out with her. Yeah. yeah, we'll meet. We'll meet up at the game tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. You know what though? I think I mean, guys. Come on. I think guys think with oh, polygamy. And they think it's like you just get to have sex with a bunch of women. No, you have a bunch of wives. Yeah. You have. Why like, would you two want a bunch wives. of wives? Yeah, no, you got to manage all that. That doesn't make any sense to me. I watched this. One is, relationship is, is complex enough. You are going to throw a bunch of other. And then here's the other thing. Because I've seen documentaries on polygamy, and I've read articles on it, and what tends to happen, you got if you have three wives or four wives, they become friends. They, they start to become friends and partners, and and guess who- They co-conspire. Be- yeah, you're yeah. fucking outnumbered, homie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everybody's pissed might, off at yeah. you at That's the same time. That's why it time. might be more
2: to your advantage yeah. to have a a living guy friend, too. That's- work the oh, other I side. Yeah. So you have someone to get your back a little bit. <laughs> Same. <laughs> maybe,
3: maybe make some rules. I don't rules. know if I want him getting my back. You know, I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can figure that one out. Maybe
1: just make some rules like, yeah. all right, you can't sleep with her but you can cuddle with her. <laughs> yeah. So after I have sex with her, <laughs> <Right>. you sneak <laughs> you, in. You, you sleep in, downstairs but in the basement. Well, I'll go watch yeah. TV. I'll use
3: you when I need you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, no. That's terrible. Oh, uh, man. Did you guys see uh, uh, Roseanne got canceled? Yes. That, that mm-hmm. was, Dude, t-
2: what? I mean, why?
3: You know, because the- she made some
1: stupid why? racist. No, commission- I mean, why did she do that? Because she's Roseanne. What the hell? She's crazy. I you know what? That
2: that's the big talk right now, and the big. To- we I cannot believe that we're still talking about Colin Kaepernick and the NFL. Yeah. And making such a big fucking deal. You know, there's a. Uh, I was listening to a talk show radio or radio talk show this morning, sports, and they're talking about the Colin Kaepernick thing, and it's so funny how we're you know media is like targeting the NFL as mm-hmm. like this, you know, white white supremacists and it's just like all this all this shit, all this bad stuff mm-hmm. on the NFL. First of all, the NBA has the exact same rules. People don't know that. Like no one talks about it, but it's like they have the same goddamn rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just don't have they haven't had to enforce it or they haven't had any issue with it, so no one's pointing the finger at them. So they have the same rules. And then to say that the the organization is racist is just so crazy to I me. Mean, the guy brought up some stats about like you want to talk about a, 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 there's not a single other organization that has made more black men Multi-millionaires than the NFL, mm. <laughs> so yeah. how could you sit there and say some shit like that? No, like that's, it's it's, it's not, so I, ass I'm, I'm backwards. Sh- yeah.
1: I'm sure there's there's some. I'm sure there's racist people. Of in course the NFL. there is. Like there there's every, everywhere, yeah. Yeah. everywhere
2: in churches, in schools, right. in in big companies that we all yeah. love and use. No, like the, it's everywhere. Here's You'll the, never get away. from it. Here's what the
1: NFL is guilty of. They're a business. That's it, and they want to make money. So you know why they're forcing them to stand for the national anthem. Because the, the consumers same reason, this, want it.
2: And the same reason why Roseanne's getting fired. Yeah. It's a business. Yeah. It doesn't look good for our business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we employ your ass. We write your fucking checks. See you later. Mm-hmm. We don't like that. We don't like We don't like racism. We don't like that talk. So as great
1: as much yeah. as millions of viewers that Can want to watch just you. Can agree we don't
3: like racism and get back to football? Right. Yeah. Can yeah. we do that? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, you know, I would love that.
1: You know, what's funny on that on that tip with uh, Colin Kaepernick because he was he was doing it for uh, I guess police brutality and the way you know minorities get treated and all that <coughs> stuff, and uh, a lot of police departments have now been putting um, cameras on police officers, which I think is a great idea. I think that's a fantastic idea to have it be recorded <laughs> so that we can actually see what's going on, and uh, I. We talked about this actually a while ago. I think it was like a couple of years ago on an episode, and, and I made a prediction. I said, I bet you more cops will be we're gonna we're gonna realize that more more of these complaints are actually bullshit than are uh, are actually real. Because I know I know police officers. You know what the, that I know. Look, I I,
2: I, I I watched one of these yes literally yesterday on Facebook. It was somebody sending out like it was a Yale student. And somebody said that this these these police officers were har- harassing uh, this African American woman that's a Yale student, and they were saying that. Then they were they were also working with this this white girl, and the way they spoke to uh, the the African American lady was uh, disrespectful. And I watched the whole thing, and. From the very get-go she was already kind of like an attitude with them and the irony was it was an, a, a black cop that was sitting there mm. talking to her and everybody was like I can't believe that how racist this is and, and I'm like this doesn't even it doesn't even add up and make sense to me mm. did you guys see that it went all no, over it uh-huh. went all over facebook no, I didn't see it. the last couple of days no. but th- so it, to me I, I don't know even though you you see you see the videos like people are well, the scrutinizing why the, vi- the cops like for every like if if a cop demands or asks for something right away i mean it reminds me of that get out movie right yeah like that, that was a classic example of the girl who like starts defending her boyfriend right away when he gets pulled over, and he's like, "Did nothing happen?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. He asked. Indeed. No, they. You remember what happened in that scene? Yeah, I do. Yeah, they hit a deer, right? And then it, then it, the cop comes out, and the cop is asking for the IDs and stuff like that, and she's like, "Why are you asking for his ID? He didn't do anything wrong." And it's like, well, I'm, you know, an accident just happened. Like I'm rolling up on a scene. Yeah. It's part of our protocol to ask for everybody's IDs. Just because he wasn't the driver doesn't yeah. mean I can't, you know we're, what I'm saying? We're like-
1: actually, we th- we need to talk about this because uh, racism is terrible. I think okay. I think the vast majority of Americans 100% agree with that statement. And, and your, the evidence is clear in the sense that if a racist video surfaces, the reason why it goes viral is literally because people find it abhorrent people think it's disgusting. Right. everybody's and, on board and with businesses that. and people suffer if you're a public figure and you even hint that you just being called racist can destroy your career. you don't even have to do anything. so people for the most part uh, are you know show those things. and if we look at the history of America, we've we're not perfect by far we, we have a lot of room to go and I definitely think some we don't have any outright racist laws anymore that say specifically like if you're black, if you're whatever, But we do have laws that affect uh, minorities more than other people. Like in the the main one is the the war on drugs, and you know we can always talk about that. But attitudes towards race is you know in 1958, only five percent Gallup poll showed only five percent of people supported black and white people getting married. This was when they when they would poll black and white people, right? Very few people said we should get married. 1958. Today, it's something like ninety something percent think that it's not a big deal. That's a huge, and I know it sounds like a long time, but it really isn't when you no. look at the attitudes of, mm-hmm. so we've made huge progress. And what I like about cameras on cops is that it's objective. We can watch it and see what's going on. And you know what's happening in these police departments? More, uh, more, less false accusations are being made. Less racism accusations are being made because I think people are being filmed. They know they're being filmed. Mm-hmm. And so you see, you're actually seeing less of it. And so right, I. You can't, you can't, you can't bullshit. I, and I, I, I appreciate that. I do think, however, you know, un- subconsciously, are there outright racist people? 100%. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of subconscious racism that happens. And I don't think it's necessarily, I don't like this person because of the skin color or not. I just think we stereotype mm-hmm. based on how people look. And, um, you know, it's funny, we, I was at the gas station. And this kid walks in the gas station, white kid, but he was he had he was tatted up to his neck, um he was sagging his pants, and you know you just he looked like somebody you want to keep an eye on and the the guy the gas station guy was keeping an eye on him and I'm like well that's that's also a form of of stereotyping right because of the way he's dressed, but he kind of i mean i i don't know can you blame the guy or is it you know it, it may be subconscious and everybody does it black white mexican you know asian we all stereotype people so i i don't think you can necessarily get rid of it i think the right thing to do is be aware of it and 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 keep putting social pressures mm-hmm. on people to evolve and, and 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 grow and point out real things but you know it's interesting i i read an article on this uh by uh thomas sowell who's a He's an African American uh, economist. He was a student under Milton Friedman, um, you know, from the School of Chicago. Uh, and I love Thomas so well because, well, first off, I agree with his is the way he talks about economics. The very free market guy, but he's also super blunt, super objective, and he'll shut people down, and it doesn't matter if they're black, white, whatever. And he wrote an article on uh, on racism, and he was talking a lot about how. The impacts it has and the impacts that it doesn't have today. And one thing that he said that was really fascinating, and a lot of people don't know this, is uh, college-educated Black women. When you control for, you know, uh, how they grew up, two-parent household, all that stuff, out they actually out-earn college-educated white women. So they actually outperform white women. Before here, there's some more more interesting statistics. Before 1930, the Black unemployment rate was lower than the white unemployment rate. And not, and this is not a, a, a controversial thing to say. Definitely more racist in the 1930s or before 1930s than it was today. Right. And their unemployment was lower. Their single, the single parent household rate was ex- was one of the lowest in the country in, in in black families. So I think that there's a lot of cultural thing that's going on in America that we that involve racism or maybe were influenced by racism, but now has become this like cycle that we need to kind of get out of, and it's hard to talk about because. Mm-hmm it's you either sound like you're apologizing oh, for races right, or you sound because you want to empathize.
3: Yeah, exactly. And you, uh, that's where it's a tough position to be because like being a voice that's not, you know, within the same race, it's like how do we have a conversation where we can all kind of collectively figure this out if if it is like we're pointing it out like okay, so now now where do we go from here? How do we all kind of meld and and, and move forward together and and make progress?
1: It may, well, the the thing about it that makes me upset cuz I'm I'm one of the most uh, uh, you know, anti. I am um, one of the most anti collectivist you'll ever find, and collective. You know, uh, co- collectivizing things. You know, versus individualism. Collectivism is when you take a group based on something, mm-hmm. and then you make general uh, assumptions about them. So, like we could say, men do this, yeah. women do this, or you know, uh, white people do this or Christians do this or whatever. And I, I understand that you can sometimes come out with generalizations, but generalizations completely dissolve when you look at the individual completely. Like mm-hmm. I can say men, you know, we, we have science to show that, that men generally do better on spatial skill testing and women tend to do better on verbal skill testing. But if I take 10 random guys and 10 random women, I test them on an individual basis. That can be all over the place. You can have a guy that, totally test the opposite and a woman that tests opposite and it's just Mm -hmm. it's just the way it is and so i'm i'm very anti you know collectivism on all those on all those types of things and i think that the one of the biggest problems with it's fine to and we should definitely point out racism when it happens and sexism and all the isms we should definitely point them out but giving them so much weight and power yeah. is very, disem- it's very no, disempowering. Right.
3: It, like we we have strayed so far away from the individual and just judging by character, you know, in each in each case, like regardless of background, you know, and like what, you know, where people are coming from. Like, who are you as a person? Are you a good person in society? Are you doing good things? Yeah.
1: In- and I, I understand if you're if you're a minority, you may be in a situation where or if you're a woman or whatever, you may be in a situation where. No one's going to look at you as an individual because they're going to make that assumption. Yeah, based and on that's your the group. tough.
2: That's the tough thing, right? How, I, how can we
1: eliminate that? What, like, what, what defines
2: that. a minority in the United States anymore?
1: It, it's a group that uh, is not the majority. So, if most people are, you know, men, then a, then being a woman would be a minority. If you're, if most people have, so you know, almost able anybody to, can be a minority. Though. You can break it. That's the other thing too: is you can break it down in, in all these small categories, and you start to label people based off this. And what you're doing is you're you're actually creating a uh, a, a self defeating um, you know cycle, hmm. you know. So it, it's 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 not. Look, if I'm a kid growing up today and I'm a minority, and I don't care what you know what group you want to put me in, but I'm a minority, and I keep hearing how disadvantaged I am because of one factor being my race or my gender or my sexual preference or whatever. That I keep hearing that that one factor is not only a factor, but the factor, then uh, I've disempowered myself in the sense that I don't- You accepted it. There's so many things I have control over. And if you take each person and you try to list all the potential things that can influence whether or not they'll be successful, everything from their actions to how they were brought up, to how much money they had, to whether or not they had two parents, and were they good parents, and what your race is, and your sex is, and- then, of course, how you receive these things, how do you view them? Because one guy may grow up poor and see it as a huge disadvantage and it crushes him. Another guy may grow up poor and look at it and say, I'm never going to be poor again and be successful. So there's so many, there's an infinite number of, of things to place so much value or place so much importance on one um, that, and especially one that you can't control, I think is, it's kind of dangerous, you know what I mean? I think the the, the conversation should be, uh, it may be a disadvantage sometimes, but there's so many other things that you can control that it's not going to make a, a huge difference. Look at like kids growing up. There is one factor that makes a big difference, and that's whether or not you grow up in a single-parent household. It makes a big fucking difference, but is it a guarantee that you're going to succeed and fail? No, man. I know plenty yeah. of people who grew up in single-parent households that are incredibly successful at life, and I know people who had two parents who grew up, and they're fucking degenerates. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know. So, and it's- that one factor is stronger than... Anything that you can think of, by the way, you Mm. you compare anything, race, whatever, single parent household, or whether you had had two parents at home that will predict, uh, better than anything, but it's still a shitty prediction all by itself. So Mm. it's just, it's just, you know, I don't know. It's just one of those things, but I I do, like I said this before, I do appreciate people, you know, speaking them, their minds peacefully. so what Colin Kaepernick is doing is he's bringing up a, a conversation and conversations can get heated and, and opinions can be polarizing, but it's a conversation.
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean, as far as protesting, it was successful on that end, right? Like getting like people to talk about it and, and using the platform for that. I don't that, know. But I feel like I
2: can argue the other direction, too, yeah. because it divides us, too, man. Well, yeah, because because then you get these two camps protests protests that, that, that feel strongly about it. There's somebody who identifies completely yeah. with him and feels so passionate and strong about it that they're gonna they're gonna argue mm-hmm. and, and and yell at racism and it's bullshit. Then you have the other side. You have someone like me who sees it and like this is ridiculous, like this is so stupid the way we're handling this and we're doing this. And then you just see these two camps going back and forth at each other and arguably both camps have. Mm-hmm good arguments on it but i don't i don't think it's healthy all the time you you know he's
3: presenting a problem that now like the the conflict is him trying to resolve you're trying to bring awareness to
2: something that i don't don't think think you can resolve well i don't think there's not awareness there Mm -hmm. you know i'm saying this is this is we live in a time now where information travels so fast you your feeds are going constantly in facebook and instagram are you really by kneeling down over a cause like are you really bringing awareness to that are you I don't know. Dude. I think what he's doing A very few people I know that are talking about that issue or talking anything to do with that it's all about the NFL and the, is the NFL racist and should they let him go or he could be playing in the NFL right now cuz he's still that good and now the teams won't let him play or some shit like it's turned into this whole other thing and then people taking sides and like mm. is it really is it by 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 talking about it is it really healthy is it really good I don't I don't necessarily I, subscribe to that. I don't know.
1: I think hmm. it's I think it's always good to to, I don't know if the conversation. I is don't good, know. I, see, I think I it's disagree. always good to I don't, have a I, conversation.
2: I don't.
3: Yeah, that's. What I think. I think it's just healthy having a conversation about it. If if people feel like a certain way about Conversa- it, then and conversation, talking about it's conversation
2: important. and protesting, two different things. Yeah. I think he could have easily wrote a blog or written something about his opinions about something like that. You think his
1: approach could have been better? Oh, 100% yeah. his approach yeah. could
2: have been better. I mean, wearing socks with with cops in uniform that are pigs and and doing things yeah. and, oh, and and yeah, and, course, then, yeah. and then just then when you know it. your job requires that you stand for the national element, choosing not to? Yeah. Like are you, what are you, are you kidding me? Mm. Like that's the way you make a stand. And I know there's people that are listening right now that are going like, oh, that he would have not have got attention if he didn't do that. Well, yeah, you know what? You got the attention and you got a lot of fucking bad attention and you've caused a division amongst here's a lot why, of people.
1: Here's why I think conversations are, are a good thing because whenever you see, especially in a free society, whenever you see violence erupt, it's usually because there's a lack, people feel like they're not being heard or addressed. So it's like, it's the language of people who feel like they're they're silenced. It's an explosion of of you know of 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 communication, but through physical violent means. So conversations like this, although they can turn into violence sometimes, my f- belief is that they actually reduce it because it comes out with words and people fight and argue and see. I disagree because when you, especially when
2: you have somebody who like Colin Kaepernick, who I think is an idiot. I think doing something like this is, I think it, and because he's got a lot of pool and a lot of fame, mm-hmm. he now could win more people on his side and his opinion, even though it's not correct. That's why I don't have, I don't like when celebrities make these types of stances where they think they're doing a lot of yeah. good. A lot of the time, and, and there's and not all of them, there's some that make good stands, and I think that there's a good conversation to be had. So the, I'm, I'm obviously overgeneralizing all famous people but i would argue that a majority of the famous people that make these types of stands do more harm than they do fucking mm, good okay. because a lot of them aren't educated in what the fuck they're talking about and all they end up no. doing is getting a bunch of people that are diehard kaepernick fans that now think the nfl's racist yeah, yeah, you, you know, know, what know what i'm saying when, because i'm a kaepernick yeah. fan who cares about what he's I, really talking I definitely
3: about i think they could have been a better representative fuck for yes a, they could the have the issue you know and 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 Brought to light in a different fashion that would have, you know, been more on the intellectual level as far as instead of just being, you know, making it a divisive like stand of like, you know, you're either with me or you're against me. And like, uh, you know, it's it's tough. But it's but again, it brings the conversation. So I do, somebody, say-
2: somebody DM me yesterday. I'm trying to find it for you guys. So you can see this because I, I fucking threw up in my mouth. <laughs> this he sends me a picture and it's a it's a it's a really artistic, neat looking drawing. And it's a picture of Colin Kaepernick, but it, it's not his head; it's Martin Luther King's head. Hmm. And it's like it's comparing Kaepernick to Martin. And I think that's I think it's so disrespectful to yeah, Martin Luther King. Yeah, what yeah. Martin Luther King did, right. that's totally fucking. It different. was well
3: thought out a peaceful march. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just a different. It's a different He's, thought process that went into it.
1: In the in the uh, you know in the spirit of Martin Luther King, he is doing a peaceful protest, so that's good. But I will say this, just to back you up, Adam. Here's my here's why I don't listen to Colin Kaepernick. You know what he's doing right now with the kneeling and all that stuff, and talking about police brutality. Like I've heard enough people talk about it. To say okay, there's a problem. But I lost respect for him when I saw him sitting in a press conference wearing a Che Guevara shirt. This this is a this was a yeah this was a a guy who slaughtered people um, who was not for freedom and who openly was racist against black people openly and gay people openly racist so i see someone like colin kaepernick wear his shirt or i saw jay-z jay-z wore his fucking shirt and i know you're uneducated on that guy why are you wearing his shirt you don't even know the guy was racist like openly wrote about you know black people as a racist person so when i see that and then i see you protesting make any sense yeah i go okay you're you're just i feel like you're just emotional and you feel power you know you feel a lot of passion about something and you want to speak out it's, it's, but you got to be it's ego
2: driven yeah. yeah. it's ego driven it's i want i want, see that. I want
1: the, that's why i don't like it you know what i'm saying
2: there's a million things that we can do in this world to to help others and to lift other people up and to bring awareness to things and there's just and there's so many good people that nobody talk about There's so many people that we don't, that are in the NFL, that are in the NBA, that are actors and actresses that are doing fucking good work, that are really changing lives, saving lives, and doing things and bringing us together as a nation. Nobody's talking about them. But when someone like Colin Kaepernick goes out and he well, kneels, the yeah, kneels down on TV it, to get attention and stuff like that, like not. Nah. And everyone's like, "Oh, it brought awareness to a conversation that we should talk about." Get the fuck out of mm. here with that, like that. <laughs> that no, nah, not at all, dude. Uh, what I see is what the backlash for the last year, and I've seen the last year this the race topic and this division between black and white again uh, yeah. get worse. We look like we took something that we've been stepping forward for the last fifty years, like you brought up, Sal. It looks like we took five steps backwards now.
1: It's it, it's ridiculous. It to might me. and it's funny. It might feel like that statistically speaking. We haven't statistically speaking. You know, again, America as as it sounds like. And again, you got to also understand people who are listening from other countries. Our news tends to be world news. I know this when I travel to other countries. I don't see other countries' news on our on our channels, but I see our shit pop up on other people's TVs and it's always the bad shit. And so people have this impression that, you know, America's a scary, you know, dangerous, racist place. We're the least racist country in the world and this is done. I mean, look, statist- the, the 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 polls show it consistently. We allow the most immigrants. We have we're the definitely still a melting pot. Uh people's attitudes towards other people of other religions and races and whatever. We still rank extremely high and it's not perfect, but boy, do we progress at an incredibly rapid rate, right? Which and I- one of the best things you could do is this here. look, if you if you're somebody who's like, I'm against you know stereotyping people, I'm against discrimination. Look, I'll give you an example. I was watching a movie last night where these two kids are growing up and one kid's a nerd, one gets a jock, and the jock kind of picks on the nerd or whatever. Then they get a little older and they both go in the police academy together and the 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 jock guy does great on the physical test. The nerd does good on the on the on the testing part. And so now they look at each other and like, "Hey, let's work together and be friends." And then they end up becoming best friends. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, you know what that's what what that's an example of. That's an example of people voluntarily working together in their best interest and becoming friends uh, as a result. Like the nerd needed the help with from the jock for the physical part. The jock needed the the nerd's help with the written test, and they both became best friends in this movie. And this is actually a very uh, a realistic, honest representation of, of how pe- people tend to work together. And there's nothing in the world that's ever proven to, to bring people together like open markets. Like if you let markets be open, it's going to be expensive to be racist. It's going to be expensive to be sexist. It's going to cost you a lot of money to be an asshole. And what people tend to do is they tend to Work together, and then once you start working, because here's a deal: if you expose, you find a racist person, and you expose them to the race that they hate, right. and like you a have real, them- like a, like a real racist like re- person, not yeah. a fake race, no, no, no like real. not a fake news racist. Exactly, person. have them meet, have them work together for a while. It it starts to change their mind. It might not completely change their mind, but to the point where. They stop hating each other, and this is just what ends up happening. You take, you know, take, take, you know, white and white and black kids or Mexican kids or whatever, put them all together, have them work together, have them grow up together, and they may start off stereotyping each other, but then they become friends and look at people in the there's, military. There's a
2: really easy example or a really easy way to break down why somebody is racist. It's very it's obvious. Ignorant. Well, it's ignorant to their own patterns that, they have, that, yeah. they've, that they've developed over it time. It's a model to them. Right. So, I mean, if you take somebody and, you know, we'll, 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 we'll lay off the black and white thing so much as we hit that because it could be anything else. Let's just say that in my lifetime, uh, the, I've totally I've met and spoke to only 10 Asian, Asian people, 10. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it, my entire life. And out of the 10, eight of them said something rude to me or mean to me mm-hmm. and, and offended me. So in my mind, like you're not going to be able to convince me in my mind that like a majority of them are not mean mm. or bad people because that was my experience and I, and I had enough right I had ten yeah. I had enough experience where I could go at the average like most all like it's yeah. in fact it's rare that I meet one that's mm. nice that's cool or whatever but what makes people racist is the ignorance like you said to that fact that right. I just happen to meet all the ten people I meet are bad people or the eight, eight of the 10 people I mean are bad people and it's just that happens all the time Damn. to people all the time they just they happen to run into or have bad experiences with whatever race it may be and so then they just group, Another, I think that's they true
3: group. I mean I've, I've literally seen that growing up like certain uh friends of mine that I've had that I knew I knew that they they had this like racist like back like you could just feel that they had this sort of like a, a you know undertone undertone behind like their thought process because i i did i i saw like a kid get picked on you know by another race of people that would like and then he would just like constantly just got like. Picked on all the time, and so he just built this idea up that like that that's how it is,
2: you know. Yeah. And, then, so just, and like so, he just—it's not even your fault. It's your brain. That's how your brain works. Yeah. Your brain is looking, using the eyes to download this information. It doesn't. It's not say it doesn't it really. May, it
1: creates g- shortcuts.
2: Yeah, it does shortcuts. Yeah. It's that your skin color is this, your eyes are this, oh, you're what this you're, tall, what you're, your big, you're wearing yeah, what exactly you're the way you're dressed. Your tattoos yeah. are no tattoos, yeah. like, and it's well, and it's
1: it, boom, it goes stuck. Now it's stuck in your brain. That happens a second <laughs> and, time, a third time, and a big part of that is is uh, what we see. In advertising, what we see on television, right. what we hear in music, and I'm going to say this right now: if you know, if you want a better representation for, because that makes a difference, it does. If you're a kid growing up, and every representation of a race is, uh, you know, dangerous or you know, not smart or you know, whatever, if, if every representation you see of that on TV. Is poor and you don't have a lot of experience outside of that. You, to, you start to develop this mm. opinion, subconscious or consciously. And if you don't like that, if you're watching TV and you don't like that, you don't like these representations. Mm-hmm. Stop giving them money. Yeah. Stop paying start them money it. because I look at some. I look at how some you know cultures are represented in America. And look, I, I hate to say it, but some of them don't have good you know role models. Like it, when you're, if your role model is a fucking dude, that's you know, talking about it is objectifying women is glamorizing, you know, drugs and sex and talking shit. And you don't have any representatives or, or, or role models in media that are doing anything else. You can start to self identify like that, or you could start to think that way about other people. Stop giving them fucking money mm-hmm. when they do this and start paying other people who maybe are, uh, you know, give a better, you know, representation of what you think. And it's just, you know, again, that's it's kind of driven by the market and it definitely of course it definitely plays a role. Like dude, speaking of yeah.
2: markets and shifting away from something less uh polarizing <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So we talked about a while back. I don't know if you guys remember we brought I don't know if who brought it up. It might have been me, it might have been Justin or you, Sal, I don't know. But we talked about the. Did you guys know the movie pass was a big, big hit. The where you nine ninety nine, and then you got unlimited movies to like go to the, any theater. Yeah. In, well, okay. no. So I think each theater has their own little. I've seen e- this of oh, their based. own deal. Yeah. So that's a that's a big thing that's happened in the last year. Hmm. So is this like this great, brilliant? It's so sm- nine ninety nine, dude, and then you can go to unlimited movies. So I guess like wow. it went gangbusters. And it did so well, but they're we freaking out because- They're losing money. They're oh, losing money. No. This is like that airline uh, thing you Exactly, yeah. exactly like that. So that's what everyone's oh, no. jumping on board doing it. And yet you have people who used to go to the movies once a month, go to the movies seven times now because they got fucking, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, once, why wouldn't you? Because once you go one time, it's already pretty much paid for itself. So then every other time you're going the rest of the month is- did they cancel it? No, as far as I know, it's still going. I don't know what. I don't know Bill, how they
3: probably raise the rates for that if they keep it. This yeah. this
1: model seems to be the model that a lot of people are moving towards. This pay monthly mm. model and have access. You know, like we have like some of our sponsors do. Like ButcherBox Box does this, and you know, you had the Dollar Shave Club or whatever that oh, was. Right. I think one of the first ones to do it. Mm-hmm. It's like this is this is becoming the model where you pay a small fee every month to have access or to get you know, a, a product versus paying like a, a big fee every time you want to use it. It's kind of interesting. And I, I, w- I don't know if it's... Do you think there's going to be backlash to it? Um, or do you think that that's the direction? We've been conditioned to... For that because
3: of like credit cards and netflix and, yeah. and all that
1: stuff that's what i'm thinking too i'm thinking we're yeah, i think con- the consumers
3: are already sort of conditioned to what it? do you
1: think is going to happen potentially well i don't this this model of you know pay a monthly fee and then have access versus right. like paying each time yeah it seems to be the model that's growing with a lot of you know companies yeah where yeah. instead of buying like like i said with butcher box like instead of buying meat each time Pay monthly and then they deliver it. Yeah, or you know the the
3: Dollar Shave Club pay a fee. There's a convenience factor to it, but then you start when you start like going over your numbers and everything at the end of the year, and you're like, oh, I need to cut this out. And then they make it like super difficult to get out of do a they? lot of these. Yeah, a lot of them do. Yeah, I think
2: the, I think the smarter ones will will offer. The smarter op- ones won't. Yeah. yeah, they'll offer a la carte too. You know what I'm saying? You'll mm-hmm. have both options. You'll mm-hmm. have the ability to do a- or
3: downgrade whatever it was. Like I've seen some people do that with like offerings. Like you have you know, you can actually scale back a little bit. It's like dollar shave club. Like I I don't need them like that frequently. So I can like do like every other month or mm-hmm. whatever. So, you
1: know, talk about the things that I, that we, the models that we see growing really fast. And I, I think there'll be a backlash at some point. It seems to me, and I guarantee, I'm sure some, I know some are great and some are bad. So I'm not saying I'm not passing my opinion generally, but this whole like build influence and then create these uh, you know influencer groups oh, or mastermind groups you're, you're, you're gonna go here right now dude, <laughs> everybody's everybody's fucking doing it and I predict a backlash coming I at some point you, dude
2: yeah. oh man I everybody's thought, doing it I thought we were gonna
1: be nice for a while I know this. I was gonna bring Bef- that up later alright bro it's here though let's yeah, fucking let's, 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 get it. let's tear it up yeah. I mean I, I think that everybody's th- doing it right like get a bunch of followers it's a formula charge a thousand to ten thousand dollars come to my group we teach you how to do whatever you know, and uh, it's everybody's doing it now. And when I start to see that happen, I know that uh oh, it's gonna it's super saturated. Yeah, it's gonna reverse on itself because well, some are some are terrible. I'm sure. Well, right? what
2: what we know is this, and and I'm all well, depends on the value you're getting. The people that are going to these things that are paying the five to ten thousand for these mastermind groups, and that's okay. I think there's there's some. Some pe- of them are a
1: lot more than that, by the
2: way. Oh yeah, no, you yeah. you. I mean, the, the bigger the name, the person is, the higher they charge. You know, so I I know the the small influencers that are got a few hundred thousand followers are getting away with charging people one to three to five thousand dollars for their mastermind group, and then your bigger people that have got five hundred to a million plus followers are charging upwards to thirty forty thousand yeah. dollars, some more than that even uh, a year to be a part of these mastermind groups. And Now. Granted, I think there's some value to some of some of these guys and girls that are doing this that have that have built some really big businesses, and that you know there's there's some of them, and, and I'll use someone like Bedros, for example. And I don't and I, I've never taken his mastermind. I don't know anything really about it, but I could see some value in a guy like this who's been in a, mm-hmm. in a space for twenty something years, who's built multiple multi million dollar business. I mean that guy's got a lot to say. Now, I think he covers a lot of the stuff that you probably would want via his podcast, his Instagram, his Facebook lives. Like I mean, the guy puts out a ton of free yeah. content, but these people everybody else is following this model and what we know is that it's there's it's like watered down the further out you there's go. There's an there's an 80/20 rule no matter what right so there's already an 80 20 rule and what you're finding is the some of these ones that are running these these kind of cheesy mastermind groups i'm i would be wouldn't be surprised if it's more like a 90 10 split and 80 20 meaning that 80% of these people Aren't going to get shit from it. Aren't going to turn their business into a seven, eight, or a nine-figure business because the bottom line is they don't have what it takes to even make a six-figure business sure. right now. Yeah. So that's you know, so you got to learn to crawl before you run for damn sure. You know, you got to learn to crawl before you walk, and you've got well, these
1: people. It just looks, it rem-
3: yeah. It reminds me a little bit. It's kind of an antiquated sort of a like an idea, like a system of to make money. So like it reminds me of when a lot of these these people used to host like workshops. And, and certifications and seminars that like you could only get this exclusive information if you like show up here and you have to pay like a handsome fee to, to get it right. to where these days like that information is accessible.
0: Mm. So accessible. All so accessible.
3: like for you to hoard it and then charge like a premium for it to me sounds like that's like here, way old here's news. Here's why
1: it's growing because you either have things tend to grow in a market either because the consumers demand a lot of it or because producers catch on to uh, an opportunity and then flood the market. And so when that happens, you see a bubble and then it tends to pop, right? So an, an example of that would be like curves. Curves exploded. There was a lot of consumer demand, but then you had a lot of fitness, you know, or people who had nothing to do with fitness didn't know anything about fitness were like, oh shit, this is an easy way to make money. Let's open up a bunch of locations. And then they, you know, they lost a shit ton of, of money because they all these places closed. What I think that's happening with these masterminds is this. When you go to some of these masterminds, especially some of the early masterminds, what they teach you to do is how to start your own mastermind. (laughs) That's what's happening. That's what's happening. No, you're right. Then you leave and you start your own mastermind. And that's why we're seeing so many of them, because you're going to these to learn how to create and start your own. And it's an easy way, or at least they're selling it as an easy way to make money because, hey, Mr. Influencer, do you think you could fill this room with you know thirty people who are going to pay you? I don't know, dude. $2, this might be the the Lewis
2: House effect. I'm going to call it, dude. I think yeah. it's the Lewis House. I it's mean, a blueprint he, that somebody started. He, well, he was one of the original gangsters with this because did he, he started it with uh, with LinkedIn? LinkedIn. He was the first to do it with LinkedIn. He talked about it
1: on the show. When we yeah, yeah.
2: That. He he openly discussed it and and showed the model and. You know, I I think it's it's brilliant what he did and I think uh, and now he's now pivoted that into teaching others how to do the same thing and I know that he's got a pretty full mastermind group probably 90% of the time and so yeah. you got all these little micro influencers that are now running out and doing the same thing too and it's just it's all, it's like a pyramid scheme it's yeah. like a big pyramid scheme just different you know and I, it's unfortunate because a lot of the people that are that are paying the money to get into these things are are reaching for for that that's that secret thing. Like what is it that I don't have? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the it's like the steroids of building muscle. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, if I buy this, if I do this, I'm gonna yeah. be fucking ripped. You know, if I do yeah. this, I'm gonna part be of, rich. Part
1: of it may be that they just want to pay for access to this influencer. This network. Yeah. yeah, like
2: okay Well that's this is how these guys justify Oak being okay with paying it. And we've seen this multiple times at these mastermind groups where you know, if it's a if it's a seven figure, eight figure mastermind group, that means everybody in that room is probably making six uh, figures plus. Yeah. So they've got the money to afford thirteen, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, and they spend that money. And then you've got a group of, you know, thirty other men and women that are making good money and that also have x amount of followers and can afford. Now that in itself is valuable. Mm-hmm. Like that right there, like that's it, that's that, true. That's valuable right there. Just a network with. Yeah. With people, which was very similar to what we created for free with MIR when we did, or excuse me, with Dosist when we did the Dosis event. That was organized as a a brand launch for them to where we can introduce a bunch of major. and actors and NFL players and other influencers. influencers that we know and business owners. Everybody in there is shaking and moving. Mm-hmm. And it was just a way to bring everybody together so they can network and hang out. There was no agenda. Yeah. There was no handouts. There was no mind pump anything. In fact, the only thing we did was I did a small little two-minute talk thanking everybody for coming and introducing the host and this and that and Dosis. But otherwise... Really, the real value in those meetings is that ability to network with all these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. I just, I, like I said, I, 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 it's becoming this formula where, hey, you want to make a million dollars? This is what you do. Become an influencer uh, and then create a mastermind group and then teach others how to create mastermind groups. And that is not a sustainable, no. market-wise, is not a sustainable no, there formula. There's definite bubbles Yeah, to that. Yeah, I think there's going to be a little bit of a backlash. You know it reminds me of, it. Reminds, and I'm not comparing the two and saying they're the same, in, in all aspects. And just one aspect, it reminds me of multi-level marketing. Yeah, that's where what you say, MLM. Multi-level marketing at one point, 20 or 30 years ago was some people were making money and they're like, Hey, this is an easy way to make money. And so it just exploded. Mm-hmm. And now it's a dirty word to say multi-level marketing or, you know, that kind of, it's like, it's kind of like, Oh, you're from, you you know, you do MLM. I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you. In fact, if someone approaches you with an MLM, you know, prospect, they usually will not even say that word to you until much later. Or if you ask, oh, yeah. like, if you ask, is this MLM? They'll be like, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Kind no, because even
2: in those groups, they're all taught, they're taught how to, to, yeah, how to overcome all the objections and avoid them like calling you out on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, terrible, dude. Yeah, no, I think they're, I think they're going to.
1: We're gonna see a backlash. Yeah, they, it feels they, like it.
2: I, I, again, I think there, I think there are some.
1: I don't know any that are that are shitty. I, I I know of a. I've never been in a lot any of them, but I know some people that run them. But uh, listen, I, there's some there's some minds there's yeah. some minds that we've had
2: the privilege to hang out and meet mm-hmm. with that if I didn't have the access that we have because of the show, that I could see myself considering paying money to have access to their brain for a day for 12 right, hours where right. I could ask yeah. business type questions. But I'd tell you what, to, to fork out that kind of money, it better damn well be somebody who's got a proven track record of some shit that I really want to learn that I just can't piece together myself or access or Google online somewhere. That's You're- the
3: thing. Yeah, I think it definitely was important, you know, maybe five years ago. It's just, I just don't, see that like being like that important to really like dive into just Uh, one individual versus like so much information that's out there that you just have to do the fucking research yeah
1: i saw i saw firsthand doug and i saw the whole process of making money through masterminds because we went when, when i created maps we wanted to to learn really learn how to advertise it online So we would go to these courses and at these courses where they teach you about online marketing, you would have people come up and speak about their product that helps you. And then of course they try and sell it. And some of them would sell these mastermind groups. And so they're up there selling these masterminds and then they teach, they would talk about how you could create your own mastermind. And this was in the internet marketing world. Now we're starting to see it, you know, bleed over into fitness. And so it's grown quite a bit, but there was this lady that we hired from one of these groups, who everybody lauded and said she was like, "Oh, she's so great at internet marketing. She's the best." And they they called her the queen of spam back in when internet spam was first created. She figured it out all that stuff. So we paid her a lot of money to do online advertising for, her and fucking shit, we got shit for it. I, I think did we end up getting a refund? Doug, for- We didn't. We still didn't get a refund. Awesome. What's her name? Let's give her a nice little shout out. <laughs> I put it out of my memory. You uh, forgot her name? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I, hopefully we'll, I'll find her name because I'd like to give her a nice shout out because she still didn't give us a refund. Fucking ripped us off. Garbage. She barely wow. gave us anything that we asked for. And I was like, oh shit, this is totally- That's why these people are on fucking the, scam. That's
2: why these people are on- Here's the deal too.
1: Like I'm not, and I'm
2: not saying that I wouldn't potentially do to, uh, some sort of a mastermind group, but I told you guys, the only way I would even consider it- is if I was getting flooded so much that we couldn't hold the amount of people in a space yeah. That I have to turn down so many people. So it's like, okay, we're gonna charge just so we can sort to limit the amount of people coming to these things because we just can't fit that many people in this room. I'm not gonna shell out ten thousand dollars to rent a place to give out free information. Like we gotta at least cover our cost here. That's how I would do a mastermind because be and, and I don't want to do one until I've proved I don't until we've proven a model so well that people are like I got to know how the hell you guys did that. How did you do this? How did you do it? I pay whatever it t- costs to get into that. Mm-hmm. Then I could see people considering, like, responding to the the need for it. But people are going out there and they're creating that as a way to make money. And then it turns into a hustle where they're constantly trying to fill it in.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that her name? Is that today's? Yes, the- Laura Betterly. Oh, you Bitch, you ripped us off. <laughs> you bitch. Direct marketing You know it's funny. Yeah, she hey, listen. I gave her an there. opportunity. We gave her many opportunities to refund us. <laughs> totally forgot about it. This conversation. Brought Sal's it been waiting for that. I'm gonna wait till we. Yes. I'm gonna wait till we build mind pump my power. Up till we got some hey, fucking serious pool. You, know, you know what? And
2: I'm gonna fucking dump this. Bitch. I can guarantee.
1: I can guarantee you this <laughs> oh, woman man. still sells that she can do this and whatever. And she's the whatever. What was her name again? Throw salt one more time. Laura, Laura Be- Betterly. Laura Betterly. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Shit. Do Betterly.
0: This Quaz brought to you by Organifi. How do you gauge the right level of intensity or resistance level when doing trigger sessions? Uh, that's a good
2: question. You it know, is. We haven't talked about these in a while, and I think that yeah, I this one. I see. I see more people overdoing it. That, okay, wait. Let me back up. If you're somebody who's been working out or training for years. You know, you tend to overdo it. You mm-hmm. tend to want to put more work in because it's just by default we we still have this yeah. cemented in our brains that you know intensity,
3: intensity, the sore
1: factor. Like, do I feel yes, it? Yes, like, all that kind of stuff. So, it's
3: not going to serve you well with trigger sessions. So
1: I think we first need to explain what a trigger session is, just in case uh, someone listening right now doesn't know what that is. So a trigger session—that's a term that you know we coined a while ago, and essentially what it is is on your off days. So this is not your main workout. So your main workout, you definitely want to go hard. You definitely want to use intensity. But on the days off in between, you use light weights or bands, which we highly recommend uh, using bands, um, and I'll explain why in a second. But you use bands to do very light exercise on areas of your body that you want to uh, bring up. And the goal of a trigger session is not to work out super hard, not to have crazy sweat and all that stuff. You just wanna get a little bit of a pump. You wanna get a little bit of a burn in the muscle. You wanna feel the muscle working. And what you're doing with the trigger session is you're maintaining the muscle building signal that you sent the day before with your hard workout. Because when you work out really hard, you send this muscle building signal and think of it like a, a like a meter. Like you you the meter now is up at 10 with that hard workout. Well, after you're done, the day after, that shit starts to drop, even if you're sore. And so the goal of a trigger session is just to keep it higher um, on the days off so that you your 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 body wants to build muscle.
3: Yeah, you're uh, just programming that as a priority, that specific movement, that specific skill like uh, you know, you, you want to pattern that sequence so that way, you know, your body just keeps responding like, "Oh, we need to keep building. We yes. need to keep uh, and, and, making it happen." And
1: the more frequent the better. So a trigger session is maybe 8 to 10 minutes long. They're short. And you want to do them several times a day. So like if yesterday was Monday and I did really heavy, you know, workout, and let's say I trained my chest and, and my, my shoulders really hard, but those are areas that I really want to bring up. And now today, the day after my chest and shoulders are sore and I had a good workout, but I want to maintain a good muscle building signal. Then I'll do some really light trigger sessions for my chest and shoulders and I'll do it several times a day. Yeah. And I'm, I am and it's not recuperative and I am. Yeah, I'm not exaggerating. They sound silly or whatever. You know, get a little pump. You know, three times a day on your off days, they make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You'll t- you, you'll be able to tell within a week. Yeah. of applying.
3: I picked this question because I remember way back uh, when we first started. and I was going through this whole transformation thing that you know, you guys challenged me with, and that was a big that was a big sort of awakening thing for me because it was addressing that underlying over intensity that I was applying to all my workouts all the time, constantly. And so I was describing what I was doing with the rubber bands, even to you guys and realizing right away, like, Oh shit. Like I, I still was going over. You were trying to do a workout. I was trying to make it into like a workout workout, Mm -hmm. you know? And so to, to really recondition the way I thought about how to use that and, and think more uh, about you know recovery and think more about you know just just stimulating you know the muscles by doing this as opposed yeah. to just like you know breaking
2: it down. That's was, why it's hard. I think that if you're somebody who already kind of works out, more than likely you're going to probably lean towards overdoing it. So back off, you know. Like yeah. I'm just chasing a pump, and one of the ways to to limit yourself from doing too much damage is use the the, the the lightest band. Like for we have a we have bands that we sell on our, our website and it's got an orange, a red, and a and a, a gray band in there. And the orange one's really light and easy. So for trigger sessions I'm only using the orange one. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the reps I'm doing are 20 to 30 reps yeah, each round. Just get a pump. So, yeah, so I go. I basically just do a little circuit on my body, and I'm doing 25 to 30. I'm just going from each muscle group with no rest in between, and I come back around two, maybe three times tops. Mm-hmm. And that's normally enough to get a mm-hmm. get a little minor minor pump. And I'm doing such high repetitions that I'm not going to get really sore sore from it, and then I move on. That's yeah,
1: and it. the and the and bands do create less damage. Now I' am not quite sure why. I think part yeah. of it. It has to do with the the so fact the strength
2: that the, curve, right,
3: with the variable resistance. Yeah, and the negative the
1: negative isn't as heavy, right? It's right. hardest at the when it's fully stretched yeah, out, it, but as you it lower. It decreases. Yeah, yeah. It, and when you apply a lot of resistance on the negative portion of a rep, especially as the muscle lengthens, you get more muscle damage typically. So rubber bands or bands um, tend to cause uh, less damage. And, and look, anybody who's ever lifted with chains and bands attached to their weights will tell you, If you go really heavy with chains or you go really heavy with bands, they both have progressive resistance, but bands just don't hammer your body as much. So they're perfect for trigger sessions. Plus, when you're doing a trigger session, it's only an eight-minute, ten-minute session. Like You can go to the gym to do that. You you want to do it when you're at the office or at home, and so bands just work better. Now, that being
2: said, I, I do want to say that, and I used to talk about this back when I was going to the gym six, seven days a week, and I know we have some really serious lifters that love to go to the gym every day. I, I loved going to like I'd still go to the gym on a trigger day, but now what I did on trigger days is I'd walk on the treadmill for thirty minutes or so, do some mobility work for fifteen to twenty minutes, do a trigger session. That's a full that's a full workout day for me, and it's a and it keeps me in my pattern of. I go to the gym every day at three o'clock. I go to the gym every, And so I have this habit of like, that's my time to be to be working on myself. And then I just discipline myself to lay off the crazy weights. And on the trigger days, that's where more mobility and list type cardio focused. And so that's what I would do. So if you are somebody who likes to go to the gym, you know, you absolutely can do a trigger session at the gym. And you can actually do this. Machines and cables Yeah, machines, cable. I do this with machines, cables, and even lightweight. Like, it, you you don't necessarily have to use bands. Bands are just, a, I think, a convenient convenient tool you can use. And you don't have to go to the gym to go do this trigger session. You can just do it at at your house. Or now,
1: the inspiration for trigger sessions came from a few different places. One was, you know, I had a, a friend of mine who had a brother who got out of uh, prison and his brother was, he was kind of into working out before he went into prison. And then when he came out, he's like, dude, my brother's jacked. Like he's, he's like built all this muscle and he looks kind of crazy. And he went to, he went to prison for nine months. And so I'm like, you know, what did he do in there? Like, did they like lift weights? And he goes, no, they didn't even have weights. They had access to the yard, which included pull-up bars and, you know, just body weight stuff. And he said, and I said, well, what about his diet? Like, did he eat? And he goes, no, the diet was shit. Like, they, they barely give him enough protein. He couldn't have any supplements. Um, obviously, there's no anabolic steroids in there. And I'm like, well, what did his workouts look like? And I say, like, oh, he, he worked out all the time, literally all, because he had nothing better to do. So three, four times a day, he'd do push-ups and squats and pull-ups and, you know, whatever. And then I, I thought about that. I'm like, well, that is a very different approach from the... Beat the crap out of yourself, you know, each body part once a week type of deal. And I know that training my full body three days a week is more successful than once hitting each body part once a week. So I wonder if I can apply this. And I started thinking of other potential or other examples of this. And then I thought of my family and I have a lot of blue collar workers in my family. So in my family, it's like plumbers, stone workers. Uh, I have some mail carriers in my family. And I started thinking about how their bodies were built. And you know, like the mail carriers, for example, you know, I have a, some, I have two uncles and an aunt that are, are are mail carriers. None of them work out. Every single one of them has amazing calves, but they've been mail carriers for, you know, twenty years, twenty five years, thirty years. So every day they're part of their job, they're doing thirty to fifty thousand or a hundred thousand steps because you're walking all over the place and their calves look incredible. Then I thought about my, uh, my, you know, I had a a, a uncle and a couple cousins who are mechanics and they're all in their fifties and sixties. Every single, none of them work out. All of them have very muscular forearms. And you start thinking about all the work that they do with their hands. And I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, they're not creating muscle damage. They've been doing this shit for 30 years. Like sure, if you're a mechanic, the first six months you work with wrenches and shit, you're probably gonna get sore hands and sore forearms. But after you do that shit for years, it's like breathing, and yet these guys literally had forearms that look like like forearms you'd find on amateur bodybuilders. And so I started doing research, and I started seeing that you do send muscle-building signals independent of muscle damage. And recovery, You know, now I've talked about this several times, recovery is not the same thing as adaptation. Recovery is actually separate. So when you're sore and you're recovering, that doesn't mean you necessarily you're adapting. And the evidence is clear when you realize you you might have done this yourself. If you're listening, you work out real hard, get sore, no more soreness, go back to the gym, work out real hard, get sore. And yet you don't improve. And that just goes to show you that you can damage muscle and not get your body to adapt. And so I thought to myself like, well, I wonder if we include triggers. If I did some small little pumping workouts on my days off, how would that work? It took me one week to realize that this shit was huge. Like within one week I did it. Strength was up, was up. I felt leaner. I was building more muscle. Doug at the time was my client. I had Doug test it. I had another client of mine, Jim, test it. I had some female trainers I know test it, and everybody started testing it. Everybody came back and was like, "This is the most significant like little thing that I've ever done in my life, where I just add this one little thing, and I get this you know this crazy response." And you know the thing is, a lot of people who've done Maps Anabolic, which is the one that uses trigger sessions, a lot of people who've done Maps Anabolic, they they don't do the trigger session part and they get good results because they're phasing and it's a good workout and it's the second or third time they go through mm. when they start mm-hmm. to implement the trigger sessions. And I always, I get these messages every day where they're like, Oh, you know, I heard you say so many times how effective trigger sessions yeah. are never, you know, I never did them. And or
3: they'll do it once a day. And then once they start implementing it a couple times a day, it's like, holy shit, it's even more impactful.
1: Dude, you do this yourself. Like if you have a weak body, like let's say your calves are weak. You know what? I tell you what, do Like, you know, 20 calf raises three times a day. Still do your hard calf workouts, but on the days in between, just do like, you know, 20, 30 calf raises, you know, two, three times a day. Give yourself two weeks. I swear to God, you'll blow yourself. We'll see visible results. That's how big of a difference it makes. But here's the thing with the intensity. If you push the trigger sessions too hard, now you you may be creating more damage, which you should have done already with your hard workouts, and you're going to take away from your body's ability to adapt. So it's got to be a low kind of pumping intensity, nothing crazy, nothing hard. It is not a workout. It is named trigger session for a reason. Next question is from Bishop.
0: What are your favorite oblique exercises?
1: Ooh, ooh, no
0: people don't train obliques like they used to
1: yeah you know I, I think people
0: are this I love suitcase case I was gonna say
1: this
2: to be cool because everyone's gonna be very different I knew yeah. Justin would do something like that <laughs> something <more functional. laughs> okay. yeah so that's side bendies. I, yeah you know, that's <laughs> yeah. my favorite yeah. Yeah. can
1: you think of a, a I like, can right can you think of a more like important core muscle for performance
3: right? oh man it stabilizes everything
1: oh oh Rotation, Any movement, rotating power.
3: I mean, not just lateral movement. I mean, it's just it's basically it's the it's the center of all of that movement with the hips and the lower back and you know just getting everything kind of bracing properly. Like you need those obliques to be Dude, fucking people, strong. When
1: they think of core, they think of the abs, and yes, the abs make up the core. But if you're a, if you're an athlete and if you run, which you probably do if you're an athlete, right? Running is a rotational movement. It looks like it's straight, mm. so it looks like you're just running straight. Forget no. turning. Like yes, cutting and all that stuff definitely rotation. But when you run straight, you'll notice that if I step with my left foot, my right arm goes up. Mm-hmm. And if I step with my right arm, my right leg, my left arm goes up. This is how you run. Right. If you don't believe me, go outside and try running the opposite way and look how clumsy and slow you are. That involves rotation at your trunk and your ability to transfer that power from the floor throughout your body to propel you. A lot of that, not all of it, but a lot of it rests on your ability to stabilize That rotation or that anti rotation, Mm -hmm. that's your obliques, man. Yep. So like if you if you neglect your obliques, you're you're gonna have some stability issues, you know for sure.
3: That's why I mean, watching people when they have like they have these like uh, corsets on and and you know it's just like. Oh, it's just nails on a chalkboard to me as far as like what that's doing to your movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're now you're like all in on aesthetics, but now you've really fucked your movement. Yeah. Right.
1: And a lot of uh women are scared of training their obliques is they're afraid of uh like building out their waist. I don't know about you guys, but when I see a well developed core on a woman and I see that their obliques are also well developed, it's very attractive. I don't know any it doesn't look bad well, to me. Don't
2: forget too, it when you do that it'll actually their their actual waist waist will come in will look more defined and in mm-hmm. because the obliques right. are, are that pronounced illusion yeah yeah so that I mean it, it's going to create that illusion so I don't think there's anything wrong with a woman developing her obliques at all I think it looks great on her too mm. I mean it's funny that there, I don't think there's any muscles on the body that don't look good I think people have got these ideas of Oh, I don't want to have this big bulky this or like even like a girl saying like, oh, I don't want traps like a guy. It's like, well, you're not going to build traps like a guy from yeah. not having any to building traps like a guy. <laughs> but you developing your traps is only going to help shape your entire body. It's it's pretty funny it when balance we balance you out. Yeah. When you neglect certain parts of the body part, it looks I don't know. When we're more symmetrical, we look like we're in better shape no matter yeah. what. You know what right? the problem? Yeah. You know when
1: this started happening? So if you look at bodybuilding, because I'm a, I'm a student of the sport of bodybuilding, or at least I was in the past, if you look at bodybuilders in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and early 80s, oblique exercises made the regular rotation. It was a big deal. And part of the reason why they did it was they believed that you could spot reduce and that doing so would shrink your waist. This was the belief. Arnold did oblique exercises all the fucking time. You know, he did lots of these twisting movements at the end of his workouts and he would do hundreds of reps or thousands of reps. Now, bodybuilders in the 70s, can you say they had big ass waists? No, they had incredible looking waists. What ended up happening was bodybuilders started taking ridiculous amounts of drugs, their body weight started going up through the roof, they started taking high doses. Then they started feeding themselves that crazy and they started getting these big guts. Well, they grew everywhere. They grew everywhere. And they blamed it on you know, oh, I can't train my core because it makes my core big. Well, no, it's coming from all the growth hormone and in, in food that you're feeding and yourself. And all your yeah. insides growing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah because all that
2: shit grows from that. Yeah. I like so if I'm if I'm trying to target them directly and I'm I'm going for a look, one of my favorite moves is just like a side wood chop on a free motion machine. Great exercise. I Mm -hmm. love, love that exercise for aesthetic, like trying to build aesthetics, right? Then for a more functional thing, I love a circus press, dude. Doing a, during a, yeah, yeah, doing a, yeah, I mean.
1: Or like a side, or like a bent press or a windmill. Oh yeah, that would be yeah
2: bent press would 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 be awesome. Very similar, right? You're gonna get very similar benefits with the bent press. Bent press is probably even better. Now that you say that, I mean it's it's a circus press with even more Mm -hmm. rotation. So, yeah, no, I think that I think a bent press or a circus press, anything where you have to stabilize with you know unilateral movement like that, even like a the the lunge with a press on a a landmine, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, talk about and then you're incorporating your lower body too. So to Justin's point of something that's more functional and like for an athlete. So if you're an athlete and you want to develop your obliques, I I think there's different things I would do. If you're a stage present athlete or you just want to have good looking obliques, there's different things that I would do. And I think all of it would be great to incorporate. I think Mm -hmm. there's lots of benefits if you do something that's functional and you do something that's. You know, directly uh, working on hypertrophy. I think both of them have. Uh, yeah, I their- think
3: I think bent press really covers like obliques, like in in one of the best ways uh, as far as like you know dealing with, do with those load today. and then yeah, pressing your way out. But also, I love targeting specifically uh, oblique's when I when I work on anti rotation of my hips so that way you know I'm I'm teaching my body how to stabilize you know so if I want to keep directionally going somewhere I need to be able to train my body to withstand the forces that are pulling me in opposite directions mm. and so I like doing like a cable Rotation with that, but now you know really focusing especially on you know the eccentric part of keeping my hips from rotating. Yeah, you know if you're well,
2: doing that with a lunge would be dope. Y-
1: yes, you know what I you do notice too. you know what you notice in this regard if if you, what you notice when you look at uh, ancient sculptures of uh, like gods like Hercules or sculptures of, all of athletes, have, all of them
2: have pronounced obliques,
1: very developed obliques. Now, yeah. why did the Greeks or the Romans create the you know make these sculptures of gods or of athletes with Well-developed obliques. Well, look at any- They needed them. Look at any high-functioning, lean athlete with their shirt off, and their obliques stand out. They always- Look at grapplers. Look at grapplers who are really lean, and what you'll see are well-developed obliques. It's just- And and they don't look bad. It's not like you're looking, oh, it's a terrible- You have a big waist. No, they look fucking amazing. This- You know, i never trained my core properly for a long, long time. And then at one point, it was years ago, I started adding resistance- and started training them more frequently and my core just built out to the point now where even if my body fat is 11 or 12%, I look you can still see the muscle underneath and you can and it's, it makes me actually look leaner because I've developed them. You know who has an amazing core who's also one of the strongest most stable individuals you ever meet? Craig. Pa- uh, well, Craig. Paul Check. Yeah. Paul Check yeah. yeah, because- is 55 years old and he's got these well developed abs and obliques. And he's a man that, you know, he was doing step lunges with 275 in his back like a few months ago at the Onnit Academy with uh, Kyle Kingsbury and those guys, and they couldn't keep up with him. He's a 55-year-old man. Now, does he have strong legs? For sure. Does a lot of it come from his core? Better believe it. Like that is a very – my favorite oblique exercise for developing the obliques is a broomstick twist uh, crunch or Roman chair sit-up. So what I'll do is I'll sit – I'll, if, if I can't find a Roman chair, which most most gyms don't have anymore, is I'll get a bench and I'll do it where I'm sitting across the bench, so I'm not lengthwise, I'm kind of across it, and I anchor my feet and I tuck my tailbone and squeeze my abs so that I'm not going back on my hip flexors. I have a broomstick behind my back which extends my hands, and then I lean back, but as I lean back into my sit-up or whatever, I'm, I'm twisting and coming up and twisting and squeezing. As I lean back, I straighten out and I come up and twist with the other side. And I, I got really, really good oblique development from doing that particular exercise. And I've posted it a couple times yeah. on my Instagram. But that one I got from Arnold. He did a shitload of them at the end of his workouts. And um, you know him and Franco and those guys had I, I, incredible looking core muscles. Next question is from Jackson E7. You guys are called Mind Pump, but what do you
0: actually do to exercise your mind or brain? Is that sarcastic or what? Yeah, what I feel like that? that's sarcastic or you just started listening. <laughs> like to coming it? at us? Or yeah, like? I feel like you just started, what do we actually do to
2: pump our brain? Like, I don't yeah. know. Fuck, I think every, all of us are readers. Everybody yeah. listens yeah. to podcasts like crazy. You hear the goddamn yeah, we're articles to that everyone's talking about input. every single day. There's know. there's a lot of consumption, man. There's yeah. a, I think, uh, uh, man, between the three of us, uh, the amount of information that we're we're reading and consuming on a, I mean, I, I it's cool that uh, this is part of why I love uh, this little bit of gratitude. Right, this just r- reminds me of why I appreciate and, and love what I actually do because I, I'm such a growth minded person and it's such an important thing for me. But I'm also a realist and know that life happens and shit happens and you can. It's really easy to fall out of consistency with always growing and always learning and always pushing yourself that way. But one of the dopest things about Mind Pump. Is that you know because we're providing information for others and we're putting out this stuff? It requires that I'm on. I'm constantly you learning. Be on point. Yeah, we have to. Learn. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to be constantly learning and and digesting new information. So this has now become part of my job which is rad because it's something that I I like to implement into my life anyways I've, I was already a reader I was already somebody growth minded but of course I could allow other things to detour me for a while where now I don't have that option like now it's like necessary that hey I got to make sure tomorrow when I meet with the boys I've got an article to talk about or I have something to contribute to this conversation that I haven't already covered in fucking 770 episodes already yeah. so I I mean I think that's a huge part of it. The
3: input is a huge part of it, but also it's like learning how to basically like shut shut it off at certain points so I can, I can be optimal, you know, in the way that like I can consume. So I, I get to a point where, you know, my mind keeps spinning and spinning and spinning, and then, you know, I, I'm not really – I'm not really consuming and, and regurgitating what I've consumed. Like I have to be efficient in that process. And, and, you know, being in this environment is, is like intensifies that whole process, right? So we're, we're always trying to feed, 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 feed. But you know, we have to we have to also learn, you know, the process of like, okay, what what am I doing that's optimal right it's now, just like and your, how do I get back to like homeostasis? I yeah. have to
1: I have to make this point because for some reason a long time ago, this misunderstanding or myth was developed that uh, exercise itself, working out, being athletic, or whatever did not improve your ability to think or process or oh, yeah. or didn't benefit your brain. Here's the deal. When it's you're all mo- part of it. when you're moving your body, that involves a lot of your brain. It also creates an environment that is healthy for your brain. And the type of intelligence that you gain from activity and movement is a type of kinesthetic, you know, intelligence. It is a type of intelligence that allows you to move better in space. And function, and, and, and one of the most, by the way, one of the single most effective things, and in fact, I don't think there's anything that's more effective than this, aside from diet, that will prevent your brain from uh, potentially developing disorders like dementia or your 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 you know lowered processing speed or whatever is exercise. Mm-hmm. Actually, nothing's come close. They've compared brain exercises to physical exercises, so they've had people where they're say, okay, you guys do crossword puzzles and do all this other shit. And then you guys over here just go for walks and exercise and then they track them and the, 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 it reduces risk of Alzheimer's, dementia, improves IQ better to exercise mm-hmm. physically than it does to do the other stuff. So I want to say that and be very clear because the whole myth of the dumb jock is just that. It's a total myth. If you work out, if you are – look, if you have kids and you get them to be active, even if they're academic as hell and you just want them to be do, do well in academics, the physical activity will – uh, contribute positively to uh, a lot of transfer to their, to their academics. Now, now that being said, look, the way I learn most of was just having this conversation the other night, I love to read. I love to watch documentaries. I love to do all that stuff. I love to consume information, but nothing, nothing gets me to learn better and more effectively, more permanently than conversation. Nothing Mm -hmm. at all. I was the kid in class that would, you know, I never would study, but every once in a while I'd raise my hand and debate the teacher or ask them to go deeper and have a conversation. And then I'd be done and I'd remember it and it would be something I'd really learn. So Mm -hmm. for me personally, the best exercise I do for my mind or my knowledge is I'll read a subject or someone else will bring up a subject and then I'll talk to them and I'll question it and I'll you know ask Which questions is exactly and, what we right. do on here every
2: single day every yes. day every single thing that was brought up it. in the last hour okay was a, something that one of us read somewhere and we had open dialogue about it and there's mm-hmm. something there's a, a something to take away from that from and hopefully that we provide it for everybody that's listening so i mean i would argue i mean for sure for me right now i mean i've been in a slump big time with my injury and then getting sick this last week like i'm i'm spending way more time the last year pumping my mind than I have been any of my muscles. I mean, Mm -hmm. in fact, I remember that was part of my transition of, you know, coming off testosterone and then, then the injury was part of me letting go of the whole image thing was just like, I'm not even going to worry about that. Like I'll stay in shape and healthy. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I eat well and I move and I do the things I need to do to be a healthy person. So I'm not going to get so consumed with, Oh, because I'm a fitness guy and I'm I'm a fit inspiration guy. I need to be looking a certain way. Nah, fuck that. Who, for who, you know what I'm saying? For everybody else. Fuck that. Yeah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put more of my energy now, even more so on growing myself personally, learning and pumping my brain so a lot of a lot of my time and consumption has been around that. In fact, we ran in, we had some guest in here just the other day and he was like, Hey Adam, you know you you were showing a lot of your workouts and your rehab before and this and then and I said, Yeah, man, to be honest with you, I just I haven't been on it. I haven't been consistent with it and I've been super busy and consumed with the business right now. I've been I've been consuming so much information for the business that has nothing to do with anything that you guys see on a regular basis. you know. And I said, I'd love to get back to that because I know there's some value for a lot of our viewers and listeners for for me posting some of those things. It's just not a major priority for myself. One of
1: of the best things you could do if you're somebody who's listening and you'd like to learn things and you like to learn them effectively. I think most people learn better through conversation and through discussion. Mm -hmm. Do this. Here's what I love most about social media and Facebook in particular because it's a platform that allows you to do this is I'll go on a forum or I'll go on a page that's about something like uh, veganism or a religion or a a political, you know, uh, opinion or whatever. And I'll go on there and I'll debate people and I'll try to do it in a way that doesn't get them pissed off so that they stop talking to me. I'll literally do, and I used to do this all the time as I would go on these forums and I would say, Hey, look, you know, here's my opinion. I think you know, let's say I go on a veganism one. And by the way, I'm picking on that one. This is not what I do with veganism. I'm just using it as an example, but let's say I went on, on a veganism one. I'll, this is what I would do. I'd go on the forum and say, Hey guys, look, I like eating meat. I think veganism might be a way to develop nutrient deficiencies, but I, I will admit I'm not super informed. Can any of you like have a conversation with me or try to convince me otherwise? Cause I'd love to learn more. That's it. Then they go on the comments and they'd say, well, why are you this? And I'd say, my thing. And then we'd go back and forth. And then halfway through, I'd always thank them. I'd be like, look, by the way, I know right now I'm disagreeing with you or we're debating, but I do want to thank you for having this conversation because I'm learning quite a bit. And then they'd always be like, oh, okay, that's cool. And we'd go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I'd learn so much doing it that way. And it would, yeah. e- it would either make me so much stronger in my, my, the way I could. And this look, people have told me you're, I'm good at debating. And the only reason why I'm good at debating is I practice. I've overcome a million objections on my position because I've talked to so many people who are good at having these well, discussions. This a, this but you was, learn so much this way. This was
2: a major strategy we had when we had all the time in the world and we were trying to build this thing. You remember yeah, we used to go yeah, on yeah. people's pages that, I mean, and again, this is like, you know, uh, we Real were talking- challenging idea. Yeah, you know, we were talking about the fitness industry the other day and like, I, as much as we point out things, like I don't hate on it because it's created opportunity for us. It's really easy for me to- you know, scroll through my feed and see bullshit, you know what I'm saying? Bullshit information being put out there and I can get mad about it. Oh, this is an interview I just had. I just had an interview and this was the discussion that we had. And he's just like, how do you not get pissed off and frustrated by all the shit that you continue, that you still see? And I know what you guys stand for. And I said, You know, I don't get angry about it. I actually, in fact, I kind of have like a grin on my face when I see it because I just see the opportunity there for me because there's lots of opportunity for me to help others because there's so much bad information. And one of the ways that you can approach that for those that are trying to build their fitness business or any business for that matter, like Sal saying, seek out opposing views. Go to those pages, create dialogue. Don't do it in a way that's like insulting because that will never get you You're not going to learn anything. They'll just tell you to fuck off. Keep in mind that there's lots of people that have nothing better to do than troll around on pages and read people's comments. And there's a lot of people that actually do this, especially on bigger pages because everybody else is curious about other people's lives. And go find a page where there's a that has a lot of people that has an opposing view, and start dialogue on there. You'll be surprised how many hundreds of people end up reading that that comment. And if you present yourself well, and you present your argument really well, you'll be surprised how many people you'll add to that. That was a big strategy to ours. When we first started, and nobody knew who the fuck Mind Pump was, yeah. we'd go on all these other fitness pages, and we and we do it. We wouldn't do it in a insulting way. It would be just like Sal just mentioned right now.
3: Mm. It's interesting you brought up the conversation and how you learn so much better through conversation. I didn't even realize that was like so true with me as well. It's just you know having that dialogue and and being able to like you know throw back like questions like uh, okay but i don't really understand i mean i know that you present it in this light but what about this scenario and then if you can understand like multiple angles of the same subject matter it 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 really just emboldens the whole process
1: yep this is why if, if you have kids and your kids ask you questions one of the best things you could do is try to answer them and have a discussion and not do the authoritative you know because i told you so Type of deal, like which, which is a real easy way to shut your kid up, and I understand the allure of it, especially if you're tired or whatever, and you're telling your yeah. kid to do something. But I, my kids will ask me a question, and you know I'll catch myself doing the whole like, listen, I told you to do it because that's kind of the way I was raised. But usually I try to be aware, and if they ask me a question and, and say, hey, why, you know, why can't I do my be on electronics more than four hours, or mm-hmm. why do I have to avoid this particular food, or why are you saying I should? You know uh, approach and talk to my teachers whatever and i'll sit there and have a discussion about these things my, i had a discussion with my son a while ago because he has a lot of the same tendencies i do so whether it's genetic or whether he's observed it doesn't really matter he does act a lot uh, very similar to the way i am and i see a lot of myself in him and so one thing i went to we went to one of his teacher the you know parent teacher conferences and you know like he gets really good scores really hard worker but the thing that I've heard more than once is the teacher will say, well, he likes to discuss and debate and sometimes he does it in a way that's not, you know, that doesn't come across really well. And so they're basically trying to tell me like, look, your kid can be a smart ass, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I, I you're sat- You're like, Inside you're like, yes. Well, <laughs> well part, of me, part of me identifies with it, right? So I'm like, oh yeah. Like, so I, I, when I got home, I talked to my son and I said, hey, your teacher said this. And he goes, well, she was wrong. She was wrong on this one. Th- I don't remember what it was and, and he's right. She was wrong. I said, look, here's the deal. Uh, She may be wrong, but if your goal is to learn more or potentially change her mind, approach it in a way to where she'll listen to you. Because if you say it the way you're saying it now, by saying you're wrong, she stopped listening to you and you're not successful. And so I had this whole conversation with him about communicating effectively and I said, look, if your point is to get your point across, you have to deliver it in a way where the person will listen. If your point is just to piss them off and tell them they're wrong, then just keep doing what you're doing. Mm. We had this great conversation, and he totally changed his approach, and he became much more effective. But we had to have a 20-minute you know, conversation about it. <laughs> <laughs> Next question is from Andrew ASF. S-E,
0: Sal always talks about the free market, but what flaws do you guys see with it? <laughs> Is this in response to the bad review that yeah, Doug you, got? Yeah, yeah maybe.
1: <laughs> you, know, you know what I, you know, Doug was got, free Doug market
2: got, talk. Doug got, Doug got a bad review, didn't you, Doug, recently? Uh, no. We did. Oh yeah.
1: Well, I didn't
0: personally, but yeah. Damn, I mean, we never get damn communists. We never get. <laughs> what is that now?
2: We're up to like eight, eight one stars or something like that. We, yeah, We have a couple more than that, but not oh, too many. Over, are we over ten?
1: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh really? Yeah, dude, uh, we have how many thousands of reviews? Yeah, I know, but yeah, still, we are still
2: were, a good. Yeah, we had a really yeah. good, a really good uh, number there. It's still a, pretty
1: good. I think we're single probably, digits for a long time. Yeah, it's pretty, it's a couple not bad. haters. In the mix. you know, here's, people yeah,
2: like your political views. Yeah, that's of course. It's always polarizing. Yeah,
1: you know, it's 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 weird because I'm I I can very much. Be on either side of this. that's bio. how I feel the yeah. only
2: reason why I feel like and it's not like I allow you but I was gonna say I, I allow you to even go there is because I think the way you present it is is beautiful like it's really it's a very fair way and even when you're making an argument on your point you, you don't make it like this hard stance like you're right or wrong every yeah. once in a while we we go back and forth on something but even then I think you're always open to discussion and I think that you're no more left than right, or right down the middle of anything. Like, oh my God! I mean,
1: I, I've I've voted for Republicans. I've voted for Democrats. I've, I've I've hated both sides. Usually, hate them both at the same time. Uh, it, it's here's okay. So here's the thing about about free markets. F- free markets are themselves, or a free market, really is when you talk about the flaws. We just had this discussion in the car the other day. Yeah, we I mean? did. The, when you talk about the flaws of markets, what you're talking about is the flaws of people. Yep. Okay, so what free markets allow is they allow the voluntary interaction between individuals and people can pursue their own self-interest. And they're extremely efficient because uh, people, the reason why they're efficient is that that whether you lose money or you make money, it's up to the individual and it just it just, it allocates resources very, very well. The price system within free markets do that. But without getting too complicated, here's the bottom line. It's a it's if you want to call it a system, because really it's just people allowed to do what they want and work together, but if you call it a system, so far, it's the best system that we've ever had. Is it perfect? Of course not. People are not perfect. People are going to make bad decisions in business. People are going to make products that suck. They're going to pollute sometimes. But typically, socially, we punish those Now, things. how can you say
2: it's the best system that we've ever had? Like, what's, what's the argument? So,
1: st- it's very clear. The statistics are very clear. Like, would I support... So, I support free markets from a moral standpoint in the sense that I think it's immoral to force anybody to do something or to steal from them unless I'm defending mm. myself or defending my property. So, if you're not hurting anybody but yourself, I think it's immoral to do anything to you. So, there's that argument. But the other side of the argument is this. Statistically speaking, it's very clear the more f- markets are free they are uh, pretty consistently better performing on all metrics that you would want to define that, the,
2: define that though because some people don't even understand what a free market means
1: folks less uh, less government intervention the more the more people are allowed to pursue their own interests the less and yeah, let's I mean, it's like self-regulated and let's give a yeah, yeah let's
2: give a very good example something that's highly regulated that you could see if it was a complete free market how it would be completely so different.
1: Co- so, uh, so the Soviet I'll give you two examples uh, communism, from a Soviet Union standpoint was far 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 more regulated than the communism style of China. Now both of China still considered not a free market but they have free market elements and they're very compared to Soviet Union they're very free market and you can see the success of one versus the other. The Soviet Union produced tons of waste. Uh, lots of people starved and died even though they grew enough food to feed everybody. Um, they obviously didn't succeed. What about China a, allows Hong Kong, which is arguably the freest market in the world. And by the way, Hong yeah, Kong- but let, Yeah, but
2: let's look at sectors within the United States that people can relate oh, more I to. See. Like, give me a sector in, in the United States right now that is completely regulated or highly regulated, like education or education, something Education, like right? yeah, education like what regulated. it would, what it would potentially look like. And so give, let's go education, because I, I think this is one of the things that needs to be- deregulated that I think if we had free market within education, it would be it would be insane to see how fast we would grow as a nation, like just intelligence level and our scoring would go up. So explain how uh, education is not a free market and how that would be. And plus, I think that's one of the more controversial ones that people would argue that we don't think it, should be.
1: A total free market in education would look like this. There would be zero government programs, zero taxes that went to it, there would be zero laws or rules aside from the ones that protect, uh, you know, you from hurting someone, or stealing from someone, or something like that, and they would just let it go. So what it would look like would be the internet. Like the internet is a free. The internet's about as free as it gets. Now, there are some regulated components like the carriers and the where you build the cables that and connect. People people, and people hear like "free" that. and they think that means
2: free and free market think that things don't cost money. Like no, it doesn't mean that things don't, don't cost. money. No, it's just money. not
1: regulated. So again, if you look at the internet and the the, the rapid. Advancement of the internet and its access, you can see how effective and efficient markets are. And if you look at education, if you look at any market that's heavily regu- heavily regulated, what you'll typically find is the cost of accessing it will will explode far faster than inflation, and the accessibility will decline. And education is one of those things. Higher education, the cost of higher education is exploded. Public schools are the most segregated. Uh, you know, segment one of the most segregated seg- segments of our uh, of our economy. Even though they're supposed to be for everybody, and it's terribly inefficient. In California alone, we're spending maybe between ten to twelve thousand dollars a school year per student, and many of these schools don't have enough money for books and don't have enough money for you know basic needs for the kids. Teachers have to spend money to 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 you know, get their classrooms outfitted with things that they need, and yet they're getting, if I took that, let me put it this way, if I gave you ten or $12,000 for a school year and said, here, spend this on a school for your kid, you'd find a superior product. You probably would.
2: Well, an example, if you were to strip everything down of, of, in education and think of how we would, you would build up like free market, it would look something like this where, let's say, in a completely free, free market, I would have the ability myself to start up a classroom. And I started off with allowing free for kids to come and learn. Yeah. And I teach K and through eighth. K. And their parents pay you, whatever. Not even. That's free right now because I have no credibility yet. Nobody knows who the fuck I am. I don't have an education, but I believe I can teach kids better than anybody else out. Let's just say, right? So I start off this school for K through eighth and only ten people show up. Ten people that know me and trust that I could do well mm-hmm. with their kids. And over time, people start finding out that I'm producing these really intelligent kids. And now 10 turns into 20, then 50. Now I have uh, this need and I need more tables and more desks, more things. So now I start charging. Now I start telling people, listen, I'd love to take your kids, but my classroom's filled. I can't do any more. I can't do any more work. So it's this much per year for your kid to come here. Mm -hmm. And then I start to build this business. And it's based off of... What I'm providing, and it's and if I didn't do a good service, then nobody shows up. That's that's the well, volunteer. What I part. like is the ground
3: up approach. Like so, for instance, if 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 we're trying to figure out like standards, and we're trying to figure out like ways to test and and see what's valid as far as like you know education and you know what's going to help them for success you know going forward, like you know to to have that from you know the actual teacher and student. Um, you know, and how they, they work through all these issues and, and figure out what they can implement to better the system versus some like a collective group of people like deciding that for the masses, you know. So you do not. it keeps it like within the power of the people You can't possibly
1: in it. have enough information and be smart enough on a minute by minute basis to decide what Millions of people it changes What's so best quickly for everybody. Now yeah. here's you now, just can't do
2: here's that. Here's the art, and I, you know, right now we're all jumping on the free market bandwagon, like right. the way we're all talking. Mm-hmm. But, but people are followers. I want to I want to make it clear that when we were in the car and we were having this discussion, uh, it was me who was debating Sal with the the idea that as as idealistic as the free market sounds and how awesome it sounds, and we all agree that it would be better that it worked this way. The fear that I have. And and the argument that I have with the the free market concept is that unfortunately there's a, a very large part of the population that want to follow mm-hmm. and want to be told what to do, mm-hmm. and that's just a fact that they don't want to do their own research. They're checked out. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't want to do their own research. They don't. And and there and the argument is that there's so many of those people that the free the a completely free free market society would collapse and that is to me the greatest argument against the free yeah, market I, well, is so that one and that people, one only
1: you're not going to have a, a yeah. nation of entrepreneurs you'll have entrepreneurs and then you'll have people who will buy what they sell and who work for companies and do what they tell them and that's always going to happen as far so here's here's the thing we talked about the moral argument but the the, the as far as like how successful they are look It's not hard. Just look at history. If you take a chart and you list countries based on the freedom of their markets and you chart them all out, you will see pretty consistently and regularly, not always 100%, but on a pretty predictable basis, the more free a country's markets are, the faster they progress, the the more they lift people out of poverty at a faster rate, the less discrimination you'll see, the more equality of opportunity you will see. It's just the less violence you see. it just, it just it's very, very uh, black and white. Now, th- here's the problem. I don't think you can have, I don't think markets can exist in every avenue of human life. So what I mean by that is if a market can exist, I think it should be more free than less free. But in some situations, I'll give you one right now, and here's one where I disagree with or at least I've debated, and I'm, I'm still not 100% on this, but I have yet to hear anybody change my mind. When I've debated people who are like really free market, like anarcho-capitalist, or uh, you know people who are like super laissez-faire, no government intervention whatsoever, and I've had these debates with them and when we talk about the environment. And here's my argument with the ar- environment. In some cases, I can see how a free market will handle environmental concerns. Property rights is a good one. If a company pollutes your land and people own that land you're sued you're fucked you're closed because they're damaging your property i get that but you how do you what do you do with the air or what about the ozone layer or what about the ocean where you have what's called the tragedy of the commons it's like this public space nobody really owns and whenever you have that people fuck it up really really bad because it becomes a race to who can exploit it the fastest because if you don't your competitor will and nobody owns it anyway so who cares so in that case, I can see regulations, right? You know, having a. a well, when you I say that, role. the first thing
2: that comes to mind is like automobile smog, and then the regulations that are put on that. But then I also think that in a free market society, that if you, if we all found out and and we had better information about each vehicle and how it pollutes the earth and what's the most green, and we see that happening right now with the movement towards electrical cars. I still think free market even works there, and that's we're yeah, talking about. You, you, p- you already can't. see
3: people wanting to put their money into the companies that are thinking about their impact environmentally and impact in, well, in you know, doing good. Again, I'm just being objective. When yeah. you
1: look at the, when you actually look at the what's happened throughout history, like gasoline needs to be leaded, okay, and there were scientists that will that were ringing the alarm bell saying, "Hey, look, uh, this is showing up in the oceans. It's showing up in our uh, people are breathing it in. It's causing people to be more violent and sick," which is true um we need to make all gasoline unleaded and they had to go to court to fight this because the the gasoline companies were saying no and consumers liked it because you didn't see the results right away that's my that's that's my point with the environment like mm. if you're destroying the ozone layer by the time we notice what's happening that may be 50 years from now of, mm. of damage and so I, I where markets can exist when they're free they tend to work better but there aren't i don't think markets necessarily can exist in every aspect of human life, and the environment's the one that I tend to, and the same thing with protecting the country from you know outside uh, you know forces or invasion and stuff like that. Like the 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 idea of a free market military that's complete free market, that's kind of strange to me, and I don't know if that would work. Yeah, I don't and see that. Yeah, those are areas that I have debates, but for the most part, look, Hong Kong is a great example. Hong Kong went from third world country to superpower, economic superpower in like 50 years and their markets were they they Milton Friedman was part of that movement though that whole Chicago School of Economics was part of that movement look at Chile Chile's another great example uh, Friedman went down to Chile and they basically consulted with them and out of the South American nations Chile's advanced and advanced at faster rates lower rates of poverty and here's the other thing with markets is you people will look at a free market and say oh, look how terrible their conditions are. It's not working. You can't compare free markets that have only been free for 20 years to others that have been free for hundreds of years. You have to compare them to how they were before. So I'll give you an example. People will tell me all the time like, oh, if we don't have all these regulations, you're going to have all this child labor in America. You're going to have all this dangerous conditions. It's going to look like America during the industrial age when you know kids were working and it was all kinds of you know, smog and miners were dying and you know all this crazy stuff and it's like no there's 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 something that's worse than the industrial age of america it's what what america was like before the industrial age before that it was even worse and that's what you have to look at you have to look at and compare to how they were before and how they're advancing don't compare them to other countries that have had the luxuries of having these markets for long periods of time and it's just here's the bottom line like i'm definitely pro free market but i'm also pragmatic and so far when we move in that direction things get better and it's a statistical fact so i'm i would say look if we go in that direction well, it just starts co- going crazy look at all the
2: companies that are examples of that and i mean you, Tech. you know, like five of the like mm-hmm. top 10 are like all examples of that right yeah. i mean when you look at the ubers the airbnb the vrbos the uh, who else is a example of that that yeah. are that are huge oh, companies right now oh
1: ebay i mean amazon right. i mean right. all these companies I mean, it, it DoorDash, just, Dash, you know, it's stuff. just super, it's super efficient because the price system allows so much information to be communicated in something so simple as a price of something like, you know, how much supply and demand there's, you know, all the, all the, there's all the information of who's producing it. And those producers are being pulled away from other things that they're producing. So that that's included. And so, you know, if something's more expensive than something else, you can make the more efficient decision based on the price. And we don't even think about that. When you try to centrally plan an economy, like good luck. Like the Soviet Union used to send out, they, they tried they tried figuring this out and they tried they would send out like uh, surveys. They'd send out surveys to people. Hey, what do you want to buy? Which one do you want more? By the time you get all that shit out and collect it all, information's worthless now because it's changed, you know, day by day or whatever. And so you have this incredible uh, inefficiencies. Here's another good example. Like we talking about, I just talked about the environment, right? How much paper do you guys think zip drives and technology is saved and that wasn't even that wasn't even created to save the environment that was just an efficient way of of, of giving information and storing information mm-hmm. and yet it saved a shit ton of trees you know as a result right. you look at if you want to implement something and you do government decree like here's another good example If if a company invented a way to, to create energy and store energy and transfer energy that was cheaper and more efficient than oil. Do you know how fast the world would switch from oil to that new product? Faster than any government could ever dream of. Immediately, businesses would be like, we're saving 15% of our cost with this form of energy. Let's change our whole fleet. Let's go in this direction. Like, That's exactly what would happen. Look at cell phones. Within 10 years, cell phones went from nobody having them to almost everybody having a cell phone. Third that was all countries, yeah. That was all from- <laughs> Bums have cell phones. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was all from, <laughs> That's what from I, the where market. Where are they getting their so, plan from? <laughs> but, but the market- Metro PCS. The market reflects yeah, yeah. society. It reflects us. So sometimes when you look at the market and you see bullshit tabloids or you see why are we producing, like why do we have a liquor store at every corner in my neighborhood or why are they making all these sugary bullshit cereals that are unhealthy? And what people will do is they'll blame the free market and be like, ah- That's because of the market. If we regulated the shit out of this, we wouldn't have all the stuff. No, it's because you're paying for that shit. That's, that's, it is regulated. It's us. Just us, us us wanting that, selling them we want this. That's it. And when we change our, uh, when we change our purchasing habits, man, the market shifts and changes faster than you can fucking, faster than any government, anything could ever do. So look, uh, we all have Instagram pages. All of these pages present different fitness and educational and entertainment type information. You can find my page at Mind Pump Sal, Adam is at Mind Pump Adam, and Justin is Mind Pump Justin.
0: Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic.